All right, welcome to another week of Frank Mott's Weekly Thoughts. <clears throat> I'm super excited for this episode. I got one of my best friends in the world, my buddy Jake Walter. He's in town. We're actually in Deer Camp right now, doing a podcast from Deer Camp. It's the, it's the last night of us being here, so we said, fuck it, let's do a podcast. Say what's up, Jake. What's up? This uh, What a better way to commemorate Deer Camp and put it out there in the ethos forever and revisit this uh conversation later on i mean i'm super excited for this man man i gotta say it's been a memorable memorable week dude i mean we got up here a little later than we wanted to get up here i think we end up getting up to the hunting spot without uh was it sunday or monday sunday sunday so yeah we got up here you got in town was that friday or saturday yeah, Friday night, I think. So Friday night, Jake got in town. We hung out at the house for a little while. He picked up some tags, um, got a good night's sleep. Met the kiddo. Yep, hung out with uh, baby Harper. Stink. Stink, my little stink stink. And uh, yeah, and then we ended up letting all the, the weekend warriors, you know, do their thing. And then we rolled up to our little hunt camp on Sunday. And yeah, I mean, man, it's just been a blast. I'll tell you what, me and Jake have hunted all the way from the Canadian border all the way down to the Mexican border. So I, I don't think a lot of people can say that, but I think that's pretty fucking cool, dude. That's, uh, man, thinking about how we've explored all these new areas is is one of the best parts of this thing. That desert stuff down around uh, Buddy's house down there, and now these mountains, northern Arizona, the Badlands in North Dakota, and some of those flatland fields chasing pheasants around and stuff. We're learning all this stuff together it's cool it's definitely cool man it's the terrains are just so different like i mean i started hunting in north dakota and so like it's just flat and i mean it's usually flat everywhere unless you go down to the badlands and then it's kind of some rolling hills and all this stuff but it's nothing like the hunting in arizona and the thing about north dakota too is man i feel like there's so many more deer yeah you know what i'm saying like you just look you look out to the right look out to your left you usually can see them out there in the fields but you come here to Arizona, and there ain't no fucking driving around in the truck and looking for deer. You're not going to see any deer. You, yeah, it's it's a challenge. It's not. I don't know if it's like the amount of deer or just the amount of vegetation and the rolling hills and all the folds where these suckers can hide. And it's so hot around here all day long. I think they're just kicking it in the shade in these deep wallows and stuff. And you're lucky to see one. You're lucky to see one on the hoof. Yeah, it, it, I find that so funny because so today. We're, we're hunting this one spot. So Jake dropped me off at this one spot, and then he took off to go to another spot. And so I'm sitting here, and I'm seeing a couple does come in to, to drink some water or whatever. And then out of nowhere, this, this doe's sitting here drinking water. And then out of nowhere, she runs off. And I thought it maybe it was something I did. And then two minutes later, four hikers come hiking up this trail. <laughs> and gra- granted, like... Like we're pretty deep in here. Jake Jake brought his quad, so we we drove the quad literally probably thirty five minutes down a pretty steep and beat up road, and we're pretty far in at this point. And yeah, out of nowhere, these four hikers stop and proceed to just take a little siesta right in front of my hunting area, and they're just talking and doing their thing. And then I figured I should probably make myself known just so it's not like I'm spying on them. So. I do a little, 
And then I know where they, yeah, the lady goes, what was that? Like freaked her out. I don't know if she thought it was a bear or something. Yeah. It totally freaked her out. And then I did it one more time. And then one of the guys walks over and he looks kind of like, I'm sitting in this blind and this guy looks over and I just start waving at him. And then he he waves back. He's like, oh, there's, there's a guy in there. And I really think these people were clueless of to, of what I was doing. Like they didn't have no idea I was hunting. They probably just were like was not indicative of I know you'd be out there. Yeah, it was that. so weird because like I waved at them and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's a guy over there." They waved back and then they just proceeded to just chill. <laughs> yeah, like for like another ten or fifteen minutes. I didn't fun- know they stayed that long. Yeah, they stayed for like fifteen minutes talking. And finally, I went, "All right, I got to get the fuck up and go over there." Yeah, better go say something. Yeah, so finally, I got up and I went over there. I was like, "Hey, how you guys doing?" And introduced <laughs> myself. And they asked me what I was doing. I told them I was hunting, and it was so weird. They're like, "You you see any animals out here? You ever see any animals?" And I'm like, "Did you not see that deer that ran right across the trail right as you walked up?" <laughs> and they're like, "No, we didn't see that at all. We thought we heard something, but we didn't see anything." And it was funny because it's just funny because on one of my earlier podcasts, I speak about how hikers just stare at the trail and they, and, and it's funny, this lady, and the, these people are probably like in their fifties yeah, in shape, older people. And she, she mentioned like, yeah, I guess we just look at our feet when we're, that's why we don't see anything. And I, I made a comment about, well, maybe you should pick your head up a little bit and look around and you might see some of the animals because <laughs> there's deer all over the place. And I said, there's deer right behind you, probably about 60 yards. Waiting for you to leave. Waiting for us to stop talking right now so they can come down here and drink this water. Yep. <laughs> so, and it was funny. She kind of understood what I was getting at there. But she was like, so so what are you going to do when you get to th- get the deer down? And like, you eat it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to cut it up into pieces. <laughs> and I'm going to put it in my backpack. We're going to see how that Traeger works. Yeah, we're going to take it back. We're going to smoke it on the Traeger. And it. I guess she kind of understood, but it was still, I could tell she was still a little taken back by it. But the guys she was with, they understood. And I I was very friendly. I asked them if they had, you know, found any shed antlers. Because some lady had like a bone in her pocket. Yeah. Something like fever, some leg bone. The fever bone or something <laughs> she found. And I was like, yeah, see any shed laying around here or anything? But I was super nice. And they went on down the road. And sure enough, five minutes after they left, deer come down to drink water. Isn't that strange, man? That spot is magic, isn't it? It's magic, but it's just crazy how how it's like you can walk through this forest or ride a four-wheeler through this forest. A truck. Whatever a truck, what, whatever you want to ride, but you won't see a damn thing during sit the day. for 15 minutes. Yeah, and it, but if you sit in one spot on the proper trail or whatever, yeah, all of a sudden it's like the forest comes alive. We're seeing turkey, we're seeing javelina, we're seeing deer. And a bear. And a bear. Yeah, we seen a fucking bear. First bear that I think either of us have ever seen in the wild. Yeah, outside of a zoo. That's the first one I've ever seen. Crazy. And the thing just sat there and looked at us for two or three minutes. Put, put a ballpark weight on this thing. 50 pounds? No. this. If I had to guess, man, that bear looked like, looked like a cub. If I had to guess, that bear was probably like... 40 pounds. So here's here's the difference in perception, right? 30 pounds. I'm freaking out. I'm thinking, I know if I had to tussle with the sucker, I'd probably get him, but I got a pistol in my backpack that I should probably get. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Frank, I got to go get my pistol. I got to go get it just in case, you know? And Frank, he's like, no, dude, we both got bows, man. You're about to just slap him. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, 
most of the time, I mean, I don't know because I've never seen a bear. That was my first time seeing a bear in real life, but I always assume in most cases the bears are scared of you and they just run away. Well, that was definitely the case here. Yeah, and most, I mean, don't get me wrong. He sat there and looked at us for a solid minute or two, but once we got a little bit closer, he was out of there. Mm-hmm. He was out of there. But I don't know. I just got to say that I, I thank you for coming out and like doing this trip, man, because it has been a blast. It has. What is better than this? Man, I'll tell you what. We... Over the last few days here hunting, like we said, we got here on Sunday. It's now Wednesday night. And what would you say? We've probably seen 50-plus deer. Yeah, and, and the majority of coos, which is strange because in previous experiences down around closer to the border, those things are ghosts. And you're lucky to see one in a week of messing around. Yeah, that that's actually a really great point because I came up here about two weeks ago with uh, the fiance and the kid and we met old CW and all them. And I talked to CW and I was asking him about coos deer up here. And he said, he's seen very few coos deer the amount of time he's been hunting here. He must not sit. And, yeah. He must just ride around his side by side all the time because, and I, but last time, last time I was here, I saw a mule deer the whole time. Majority mules. Yeah. And we did see a, a lot of mule deer, though, too. I'd say we saw probably about, I don't know, 20 mule deer or so. But this spot that we've been spending the, the past couple days in is just like, well, one night, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, two nights ago, I was sitting in this spot, and I'm not quite sure Jake was. He wasn't there yet, but uh, he might have been hunting somewhere else. But I sat this spot, and I watched probably... I don't know, five different coos deer come in and have a drink. I watched 25 turkeys come in and have a drink. And then right at the end of the night, literally maybe like 10 minutes of light left, I'm just going to adjust my body. And then a doe just literally blows at me so loud. And she's literally probably five to 10 yards behind me and scared the shit out of me. It's good because it's dead silent out there. And then out of nowhere, you get this loud, like, hissing-type blowing sound. Yeah, it just, just, I jumped out of my skin. And um, so she she freaked me out. And then she saw me move just a little bit, but I don't think she knew what I was. I think I just startled her a bit. And then she kind of just stayed there, looked at me probably for about five minutes without moving. Had me pinned down. I couldn't move. And I look over to my right. And literally, I see five of the biggest mule deer I've ever seen in my life. I'm talking about that one of them had to be a 180, 180 plus. Another one was probably 160. Another one was probably 162. And then there was another smaller one that was probably about 120 inches. And he was the smallest of all of them. And this is early September. They're all in velvet. All velvet. So they look like giants. Ridiculous. Oh, and, and this so and so it looks like these these bucks are going to try to walk down and have a drink until Mrs. Dose just keeps blowing. And so one of the, the smallest buck, the smallest buck acts like he wants to come down and he's meandering at probably about 75 yards. And I'm running out of light here pretty quick. And so he keeps meandering and I range him and I, I get the range at about 85 at this point and I'm running out of light. And you know what? You got to send it, man. And so I sent one at him from 85 yards, and it was a total miss. We went, found the arrow, no blood, no nothing, which was great. But in hindsight, I probably would have never shot that arrow 
in hindsight, I probably would have never done anything. I probably would have just sat there and let them, them big giant bucks either come in and have a drink or do whatever they were going to do. And I would have wait till it got dark and just left. Yeah. I show up and I see the blind is empty. We just brushed in a little blind next to this uh, water hole and it's empty. And I'm a little nervous because I've been gone walking around through the hills, not seeing nothing. I show back up. Frank's not in the blind. So I'm like, oh boy, I got something on the ground. I get a little excited. And then I spy him up the hill. He ain't got no shoes on. So I know something big happened, right? He's walking around on the rocks and the cactus with his socks on, doing the thing. Yeah, man. I mean. Shoes off situation. Yeah, I had to make a play. I mean, I just felt like, you know, these bucks are so elusive. And it's like, if you don't, if you don't take a shot when you've got a chance, you might not ever kill a deer in Arizona. Absolutely. Like, I literally, I know some guys who, who have told me, like, they've been hunting in Arizona for eight years, consistently, every season, go out, and haven't killed shit. Yep. And it's not out of the norm. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you got to figure it out. You got to know what these animals want. You got to know where they're hanging out. And you got to try to put the puzzle together. And for me not sitting in that water, I... I the success I've had bow hunting up in North Dakota in the last couple of years with you and with Tyler has all been glass a buck, watch them lay down, make a play, spot and stock, get the wind right and walk a mile and a half. So I was out walking. I probably put 12 miles on, walking around, glassing, trying to spot some stuff and never saw nothing moving. I saw a horny toad out there on the trail or something, but it, it took me two days or so to get with the program of sitting in the water hole and letting these things come to you. Yeah. It's just up and we're kind of up in the Northern part of Arizona. It's just, it's thick trees, it's brush, it's rugged country. And you get to hike it through a lot of this stuff and it's hard to be quiet. And so a lot of the times these deer hear you, they're probably up and gone before you get even close. And yeah, truly, I think that I found most success so far, my success in hunting in Arizona has been from either hunting water or hunting their travel corridors. Yep, ambush and, style. Yeah, and yeah, straight up ambush style, and which is still, I believe, a skill set in its in its own right. Absolutely. Just because you the need test to, of patience. Yeah, one you got to have patience. Like I said, you got to sit that water all day like a crocodile. And we did. Yeah, all day long, man. Pack a lunch. Bring your lunch pail. You're going to be there all day. Thanks for the PB&J. Yeah, I, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I no problem making us PB&Js this morning. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, don't get me wrong, I I myself do like the spot and stock better just because I feel like. Your heart's thumping the whole way you're walking out there. And not just that, but it's oh. like, I feel like things are a little bit more in my control. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like. You're sitting, you're sitting in one spot. You, you really can't control anything. Like if the animals come, they come. If they don't, they don't. Whereas you could go make that play, find a, find a buck and then go make a play on it. That's exactly right. So that's why I love it as well. And it's just like, I, I'll hunt them any way I got to. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll kill them any way I got to. It doesn't I mean, it really doesn't make a difference whether I got to sit that water all day or I'm spotting and stalking or I'm still stalking. I mean, you got to kill them however you can. And I think that uh, a good hunter will figure out how to do that. No doubt. You know? Yep. Yeah, adapt. It's tough for me to do that. And I'll say, too, about this walking around in these mountains 
uh, I was humbled a couple of times, bro. Walking just from the trailhead down into this tank that we were sitting in this pond, I was thinking to myself, I must be the only idiot on the planet willing to walk this path down here, right? And one time I found an arrow on this trip, so somebody else is out there shooting. Uh, those hikers that you mentioned you saw? Deep. Those hikers were deep in the like. I'm puffing and puffing coming down this face, and there's four 50-year-olds with fanny packs on just climbing the trail happy as could be. You know, and then I'm thinking to myself when I'm on the quad on this rough path, like, I ought to turn around. I don't want to tip this thing over. And then four or five Jeeps come rolling through there later yeah. on. You know? It's like, I'm just, uh, I'm a flatlander. This stuff is well, a new challenge. I don't get it either, man. I mean, I wouldn't even consider myself a flatlander, but I'm definitely not a four by four off-road type guy. I mean, obviously I do what I need to do to get to the animals that I'm hunting. But man, this this road that we drove down in to get to this water hole was just gnarly. I mean, we almost turned the quad over once or twice with both because we were both riding back to back on this quad. So so Jake, oh, so, so Jake brings out his quad. He's got this little what is it? It's a Honda. What is it? Four fifty rancher, baby. It's a Honda four fifty rancher. Literally, guys, this quad probably weighs about two hundred and fifty or three hundred pounds. Yeah, I'm out deadlifted by the camera. Yeah, like it's not very. It's not a very heavy vehicle, but. That thing is a beast, man. I'll tell you what. This little Honda Rancher carried both me, Jake, all of our hunting gear down this gnarly hill. I would never, ever even consider driving my truck down this hill. Me either. Never. And then, so, we roll down this hill, and it, it's so rough in some parts. Like, we got to jump off, and one of us has to walk, and we're just trying to get down there. And then we get down there, and this fucking stock Chevy... 95 blazers just sitting there chilling with two old crusty dusties in it like <laughs> crusty dusty yeah <laughs> i know what you mean i'm just astounded that these people like being uh, accustomed to these rocky four by four type rock crawling roads and doing it in a tacoma a jeep a tahoe yeah i know. don't I mean, they got they got bigger balls than I do. That's all I can say. Because, I'm not busting my pickup down that road. Yeah, there's no way I'm driving my truck down there. It's not happening. But um, but anyway, yeah. So we're we mobbed the quads down this gnarly road, and we've been hunting this water tank. And I mean, it's just been a great it's been a great time. I like I told you guys, I got this uh, I got this rifle tag coming up in this unit in October. So for me, it's a lot of like hunting slash scouting because like yeah i'm also hunting but mostly i want to see my buddy jake shoot a deer you know what i'm saying so we're exploring new areas of the quad places that i can't normally get to because i don't have a quad but now i think i need a quad so <laughs> at least yeah at least if you're listening to this we might be going to get a quad here pretty soon so take get, your time get ready a, for it it's an awesome tool right not a necessity but it will get you back deeper into some of these uh remote areas than hiking will if you've got a limited amount of time with a kid like well, you know, just the use that we put on it over the last few days man it's just invaluable it's oh yeah it's invaluable i mean it's almost it almost is a necessity i mean i'm not gonna go that far to say it is but it's pretty damn close it's gonna it literally it changed my whole hunting experience just having that four-wheeler to ride those those literally the roads that we're riding are meant for four wheelers. They're meant for the side by sides and the quads and the jeeps. A and horse. A horse, <laughs> yeah, whatever you want. So 
to to just be walking and then all of a sudden have a jeep or a side-by-side go by you just like it's kind of defeating and you can't get as deep as some of those guys can you just can't because they got motors and engines and you don't so i definitely think the quad is a must for the future maybe next season i'll be definitely looking into that but let's get back to basically the hunt i mean day after day me and jake just saw multiple animals. We seen mule deer, we seen coos deer, we seen turkeys, and we seen a fucking bear. Which is just crazy. I mean, literally, we're hunting this area that's probably, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes from where we're camping, which is a campsite. On the quad. It'd be a two and a half, three hour hike. Oh yeah. If you were to try to hike down to where we were hunting from where we're camping. On the way in and the way out it'd be five hours well, up that hill. Yeah, you would not want to hike a deer up that hill. I mean, just downright miserable. But Jake got it done. So, Jake, why don't you tell a little story about uh, the the deer you shot today, man? I think it was awesome. I, I owe it all to you for being persistent and sitting in that water hole, Frank. I mean, I was I was all about walking around trying to glass stuff the first couple of days. Hearing you talk about the animals that were rolling into that water hole, I just had to get with the program, right? So today... You were sitting in the water hole holding the spot because there's a lot of competition around here. Yep. Guys might show up and take that thing from you. We're waving people off while we're sitting in it yep. when they show up. But uh, you're holding the spot. I show back up and sit down. Every 30 minutes on the dot, there's a new group of coos deer rolling into this spot. Does, a buck or two, little guys, which is just astounding to me. Again, to that point of the the southern border, trying to see a coos deer is just a feat in itself, right? Definitely, man. They tuck into some of that thick stuff. But this water hole, I mean, it seems like magic. But this little two-by-two coos deer in velvet comes down to the water hole. This is our last opportunity to hunt today. Yeah, this is, the season literally ends tomorrow. And Jake's got to go home, and i got to go to work tomorrow. So this is our last day to hunt. Yeah. I'm all pumped up for the opportunity to take coos. It'd be the first one. So I range him, and he's taking a little drink, 60 yards, and I'm in a pretty good brushed-in blind. Without alerting this deer, I was able to stand up in that blind. Which is, you you guys got to understand, when these deer come to these water holes, they are so jumpy and so skittish. It's crazy. So just to be able to stand up from how far away were you? 60. 60 yards. Yep. That's a feat in itself. I mean, the the wind in this spot super unpredictable as well, right? This could have been blowing at any second. Every 10 minutes, it switches directions in that spot, it seems like. Predominantly, it was it was good for the blind we were sitting in. But as soon as, the, some with some of the other groups of does and stuff that was coming in, when the wind would switch, they'd have you, and they were gone. Gone. But this buck... It all played out right, right? So I got to stand up, draw back, check my bubble, put the 60-yard pin on him, and I shot. These deer are so fast and agile. They're jumping the strings. I mean, this isn't the first coos I've shot at, right? Nope. They're jumping, spinning 180, moving around. Yeah, they just don't, like, you know, some, I don't know if some of you guys ever bow hunted, ever shot a mule deer, how sometimes a mule deer would just stand there and take the arrow. 
Coos deer, no way. They're spinning. They're whirling. They're trying to get the hell out of there. I mean, Jake shot at one deer the other day, and that thing was gone before the arrow even got there. That was a nice three by three, and he was halfway across the road when he heard my when he heard my bow go off. Yeah, which is great. I mean, no he, chance. And that's that's typical. I hear a lot of guys t- say stories about how, yeah, coos deer duck the string, jump the string, just they're just agile little dainty little deer. It's crazy. Yep. So at any rate, my bow goes off. This deer gets to spinning. And the aerial arrow catches him in the gut. Yeah. Splits his guts wide open. His stomach's hanging out. He's barely stepping away from the pond. And I know this is a bad situation. Right? Which which every hunter, if you've hunted long enough, has been there. 100%. If you have it, you will be at some point. Yep. You're going to have a bad hit. Yeah. A bad it's, shot. It's just part be of it. Be it nerves. Be it spinning. Be it anything. Yeah. You can't control what these animals are going to do. So, yep. I mean... So the shot was a little far back, and what'd you do after that? What happened after that, dude? I he was taking one or two steps and standing. He was he was about eighty yards, and I didn't want to chance another shot at eighty yards and spook him like that. So it, I'm fighting the urge to sit right, and I can't sit. Yeah. So I knock another arrow and I start creeping at him, and I get within thirty yards, but he's behind some brush, and he takes a couple more steps, and eventually he gets to where it looks like I'm not going to catch up to him. And I've learned in a couple past experiences not to keep bumping these deer. You will never find them, or you'll keep bumping them and lose the blood trail. I, I mean, it's bad. So, right, I, I get myself back in that blind. I'm fighting the urge to keep chasing this deer. I call Frank, and I say, come on back. I got one hurt. We got we to gotta come up with a plan to try to find this thing. I called my old man, too, because he shot quite a few deer. And he said... Something to the effect of if the guts are hanging out of this thing, you better give them four hours minimum. A lot of people say 24, but if you want any chance of saving that meat, you better give them at least four, you know. So I'm sitting stewing. Which I know is probably super hard for you to sit. So hard. You want to go get them. You want to go finish it. I know how you want them. But, you know, Frank's still got a tag burning hole in his pocket. So why not sit this water for four hours? See if anything else comes in. Maybe get another opportunity for him. And uh, when it comes time, then we'll go try to find him. Yeah, and it, and it was the perfect plan. So I come pulling down the hill, and Jake tells me the story of what happened, what I think we should do. And I just, yeah, I think we should tuck back in. There's nothing really we can do because we know the deer's still alive, but we don't want to push him a mile. We want him to stay close to where he's at. He did run into some thick stuff, but we figured, hey, we'll have a chance at finding him if we stay the hell out of there. Yep. So we tuck back in and say, all right, well, I got a tag in my pocket still. Jake just pretty much punched his tag. So um, I figure I'm going to stay and sit and hunt it, hunt it some more because this spot is just awesome. So I tuck in, Jake tucks in, and literally we've been sitting like Jake just shot a deer, walked after it. I came up in the, in the four-wheeler. We sit there. We talk, have a powwow for a few minutes. And then I come in and sit and get all loud. I was all loud getting into my spot where I was sitting. And then less than five minutes later, a deer comes in to have a drink. Yeah, Coosdale rolls yep, in. Yep, a doe comes rolling right in to have a drink. Which, which is, is unbelievable. It's crazy. I mean, I, the only thing that makes me think about this is that there has to be so many hikers in and four, four, four wheelers and uh, Jeeps coming, coming down this little trail that the deer are just so 
used to voices and people being around that it doesn't bother them because they give it, they give it 10 15 minutes for things to clear out and they come have a drink that's it yeah and i'm not talking about just does like this is this is bucks too like this isn't first light and last light either this is all day long 30 minutes on the clock all day long meet me and old jake uh we're supposed to wake up early this morning to go hunting and we stayed up like a bunch of dummies till like one or two in the morning. Just, I got into the Jameson yeah, last night. Yeah, we're drinking Jameson, just sitting here talking for hours. Literally, we we were talking for like three hours. We could we could have recorded a podcast, which we should have. Should there's no shortage of conversation between you and I. No, there never has been, which is why we're friends. But it's just like literally. So we stay up till like two in the morning, and. We know damn well we're supposed to be up at 4 a.m. to get on. Quad out there. Yeah, to ride. And, and a damn cold streak came in. So it was 37 degrees at 4 a.m. when Jake's alarm goes choo-choo training off. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, we weren't getting the fuck up. <laughs> we were like, forget that. <laughs> we forget that. Like, literally, I think we I think we were supposed to get up at 4 to go hunt. Rolled out at 8.30? Yeah, I don't even think we woke up till like, 8. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, we stayed in bed, which wasn't which wasn't a bad thing because we got a little extra sleep, we got a little extra rest, and we said, let's just go and stay out all day. We're going in late. We'll probably get out there around 8, 30, 9 o'clock, but let's just stay all day and all night. So we packed a little lunch, and we were committed to just stay until dark. Yep. And that's what we've been doing since we, since we pretty much started. It's out early in the dark hiking or on the quad getting to a spot, and it's... And it's back out in the dark, hiking in the dark, back to the quad, getting out of the spot. And so, yeah, we we slept in a little bit and we said, fuck it, let's go out. We went out around nine and it's just so crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, I think we struck gold with this little location that we found. So, yeah, this one I'm just going to have to tuck in my back pocket. So. Don't ask where we're hooked because I ain't gonna fucking. I ain't <laughs> I gonna tell you. Use your onyx. <laughs> yeah, that's how we found it. <clears throat> I ain't gonna tell you, and I'll, I'll definitely be back to this spot. Like, so, uh, Jake did get he got his deer. Do we do we tell him how we uh how we had to end up uh freaking? Well, I'll tell you what. All of these thoughts we're talking about now were going through my head while I was spinning there for four hours waiting on that deer to to die. get stiff to get stiff, and so. We just tucked back in and then literally, so I would say maybe around, I don't know. I'll tell you. What time? I called you at 12.50 and said, we got a buck hit poorly. Poorly. And so I was there maybe 20 minutes later and then we were tucking back in maybe 35 minutes later. 4.50. Was that 4.50? We rolled up the hill. Started looking for that deer. Yep. And then so so probably around 3 o'clock, a, a decent little uh, two-point two came in, and I took a swing at him, and I missed his ass. I got that on video. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jake's got my failures on video, my shortcomings on video. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys can take a look at this video. I'm sure Frank will probably post it, but I'm not convinced that that's all on you. When you watch this video, listen for the sound of his bow going off. And watch that deer duck spin 180 run up the hill. Yeah, and it's like, I think it's a combination of both. Though, like it's, like we talked about, these deer are not going to stand there and take the arrow. They're going to try to get the hell out of the way. How far was your shot across? And the so, way? yeah, and so I ranged this deer at 63 yards, and my sight was set at 60. Yep. And so, um, yeah, 
I shot a little short. It came up just a little bit short. I don't know if he ducked the string. I don't know if the if I shot low, but I missed him. Clean miss. We went. We found the arrow. There was nothing on it. Deer was unscathed, which is great because, like I said, I still got this rifle tag. And now that me and Jake explored and got a few extra spots in the back of our pockets now, I can come down here with the old 308 and let it rip. Yeah, let it rip. So get a little redemption, man. That's that's the beautiful part about having a rifle tag is that uh, just after getting your ass kicked by these deer with your bow in your head, <laughs> yeah, give me that damn rifle and let me let the air out of one from 300 yards away. It's the same concept with the bug assault, dude. So <laughs> we're sitting at camp and these flies are buzzing around us, landing on our legs and stuff. And Frank says, I got a little secret weapon, dude. Whips out the bug assault. It starts whapping oh. flies and bees and everything. He even has to double tap a couple of bees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should you should have seen it, man. I, I shot you know, these bees out of the air like they were pheasants, man. And I told Jake, man, you got to double tap the bees because uh, <laughs> I think their wings are a little bit stronger than the flies. You take that table yeah, salt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you hit, you hit a fly with that bug of salt like from three feet in, and his wings are toast. He can't fly anymore. He's done. But you hit a bee – and if you just hit him and you shoot him once, <laughs> he'll fall to the ground and he'll shake that shit off and he'll get back up and fly away. Start looking for you. Yeah, might even start trying to sting your ass. <laughs> so you got to double and triple tap him sometimes. Just you know what I'm saying? Get get him, give him a follow up shot, and then just go ahead and stomp them out when they're on the ground. But <laughs> yeah, so overall, when when me and Jake get together, I swear it's just it's it's a good time. It's a great conversation, and usually we're putting some dead animals on the ground, some meat in the freezer. So, how how much better of a friendship does it get? You know what I'm saying? Like, always doing fun shit, always having adventures. And I mean, I'm hoping. I was just we, me and Jake were talking uh, talking the other night while we we're just sitting here in camp drinking Jameson and fucking around. And I'm like, man, we got to get a few guys who are interested in hunting and are hardcore and serious hunters, and say, where where can we go? Where the slot limits are large, and the acreage is cheap, and the game is plentiful. You know what I'm saying? Get a few guys and say, hey, what does it take? Like, what do we have? I'd have to say we have at least four to six hardcore guys who like to go hunting. It's like, what does it take to put together enough money to buy, like, 100 acres or 200 acres somewhere that's got generous shit? You know what I'm saying? Deer camp, baby. Deer camp. Not just deer camp, but I'd like to do it somewhere that's got some wild pigs, and like literally somewhere we could just meet every year, take the family and go out there and fill up our freezers every year and have a good time. Yeah, it's it's hard to do and getting harder. But my suggestion is some of them southern states like Missouri, Oklahoma, maybe yeah, Kentucky, some of this stuff where you can literally buy seven buck tags, you know, and these this this acreage in the timber. Yep. Is, you know, wetlands stuff. Or the swamps and then yeah, the hog the hogs are plentiful and maybe even get some ducks, some duck hunting or something, you know, yeah. it's just like something I don't know. the future, man. I think it'd be really cool just cause like, you know, we got a few buddies that we that we've built these friendships over time and it just I think these hunts and just spending time out here in the nature together just does it. You know what I'm saying? It just makes the bond even closer. And I just think that I would love for my daughter to grow up in that type of lifestyle, you know what I'm saying? With a bunch of other kids too, that are doing the same stuff, you know, that's, that's the best point, right? I I grew up hunting with my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. I mean, 
when I was real young, we were riding around in a single cab, two-wheel drive, Toyota Tacoma pickup. And I'm talking, my dad's driving, my mom's in the, in the far side, my brother's sitting on her lap, my sister's in there, and my brother, and I'm sitting in the middle with my sister in there. And we're driving around all day looking for a deer for my dad to shoot. <laughs> all day long. I mean, I'm probably like seven or eight. Man, that sounds a single like a, cab on a bench seat. Sounds like a blast. I some of those experiences you'll never forget. We later graduated to an F one fifty with a DVD player hanging. <laughs> we're we're hanging out in the back seat with headphones on. Yeah, listening keep the kids entertained while dad hunts. Like I mean, I could just totally picture myself doing that in another five years. From yeah. now, you know, but I mean, regardless if a deer hit the ground or bird hit the ground or whatever, those experiences or what shape you and it's family time and friend time you know it's like bonding time right it's just like yeah graduate to doing that stuff with you with tyler with mother butter cam yep and some of the conversations we have out there aren't based on nothing they're wild and stuff but some of these memories you make man it's like you'll never forget you'll never forget and to me it's almost like a therapy just like i enjoy i really enjoy being out being out in the woods by myself and like just the peace and quiet and being out there but god damn it's so much better with a really good friend man. sharing a story it it really doesn't get me better like i gotta be honest like i took some of it for granted just because like in north dakota i had i had you i had tyler i had jake i had fletcher you know what i'm saying i had all those friends that i could go hunting with joe yeah like you know joe like joe pretty much taught me everything i know when it comes to hunting yeah and so it's like that guy's a deer fanatic. I, oh, Joe can dig up a deer anywhere. Yeah, like I, I, I would put that guy's skills when it comes to deer up against the best of them. In every topography, every environment. I mean, he uh, knows them. He knows them. Whitetails, mule deer, like Whisper. that dude's got some skills. He's got some big ones on the wall too. He does. He does. And we'll we'll get Joe on the podcast at some point. Joe, Joe is just a southern gentleman from Georgia who lives in North Dakota, but. Man, he's a deer killer. So he is. So is his son. Yep. His son Dylan, man. Shot a nice velvet whitetail this he kills uh, this deer. week, right? Yep. He kills a deer every single year, man. He's just chip off the old block. Yep. But and I know we're rambling a little here, guys, but bear with us. We're drinking Jameson. We're <laughs> we're on cloud nine. We're celebrating Jake's deer. But uh but anyway, we're gonna we're gonna circle back and get back to the story. So I did miss I did miss a, a small buck. Jake's got a video. We'll post that up. So we stopped this spot. Jake shot his deer at like t- noonish. We get back to sit this spot. I shoot. I shoot and miss a deer around three, and then finally at like five, we're just like, all right, it's time to get up and go try to search for this deer because you don't want to wait till dark because you'll never find it. You don't want to. You don't want to leave it overnight because the coyotes or the bears will eat it. And so, yeah, it's time to go find it. We we don't have much blood. Luckily, Jake found, he saw the last spot the deer was standing. There was a good chunk of blood there. This uh, this soil, this like red dirt, mountain soil stuff, and this dry, dry environment and heat, whatever yeah. it is, is, uh, it's tough to blood trail in. I mean, it's not leaves, it's not grass and stuff. And this stuff oxidizes in an hour. Quick. Well, that is so it's so dry, and I think the elevation has something to play with it as well. But luckily, yeah, that deer must have stood in that spot for a little while because there was a good little puddle there. But that's all we had, and so me and Jake take up off the up the mountainside, and just I guess it's like a gritting type thing. We're literally because 
this last spot of blood is all it was, right? Yeah, you didn't see, up the hill. yeah, you didn't see any more blood after that spot, did you? Nothing. No. So we separate. We're we, he takes one side, I take another side, and we're just greeted, trying to look for this buck. And so, um, I don't know. What did you say? It took 15, 20 minutes. I, it didn't take. It didn't feel like it took that long. I mean, all I hear, all I'm hiking and looking up, the, looking and trying to find, you know, signs and cues or whatever, and I just hear Jake yell. And yeah, I, I don't even know how the hell you found this thing. I, I don't get it, dude. I, you explain how you found this deer because it was in some of the thickest shit, and it had gone probably a hundred yards further than I thought it had gone. Yeah, and it was maybe two hundred yards up the hill from the last spot that I'd seen it. You yep. know, but just zigzagging up the hill, really found a little bit of blood and like a slide on the hill where it looked like something had taken a little tumble. You know. So you get into the bushes a little bit, and there that sucker's laying. This is f- like four hours to the minute after I had called you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I waited the bare minimum, but this sucker wasn't moving, man. He was laying there. No, he was done. We got to him, and, and that was it. And, I mean, I still don't understand how you found him, man. I mean. Lucky. Yeah, it probably had to be a little bit of luck. And, I mean, did you just walk straight straight up from that last spot of blood, or were you you were zigging and zagging, and then because it seemed like when we carried him down the hill, we were pretty in line with that spot of blood. Yep, we and we were. I think just the way that hillside is shaped, it just the path of least resistance, right? The path of least resistance up, and the path of least resistance down. And he was hurt. That deer was hurting, and there's there's tracks all over this hill, but. In one area specifically, there's a lot of tracks, right? So I'm just kind of zigging 20 yards to the right and left of this trail, just looking, keeping my eyes open, that type of thing. You know, it looks like a lot of deer travel through here. This guy was barely moving when I last saw him. Yeah, he was hurt. You know, so just kind of stayed on that trail, looking for any signs that he might be around. Found that little bit of blood and a slide. Well, and that's the thing, man. These, like, some of you probably have never seen a coos deer. But if you ever see a coos deer, like... What's a mature coos deer weigh? Like, that's the thing. So you you carried the deer out. So you, I mean, I don't know what it weighed. You you tell me what you think this deer weighed after we got the guts out of it. I'd say this was a two-year-old coos deer. It's a two-by-two two in velvet, little little buck, you know, 80 pounds. And then, yeah, 80... South of 100 pounds with the guts in them. With the guts in them. So when the guts came out of them, I, if, if I had to guess, I'd have 50. to guess... I was going to say 45, maybe. I mean, there ain't much to them. We'll we'll post up the pics of these deer, but uh, uh, of that deer, but uh, they're small. They're small. You can see them from the pictures that we post, like when they're alive, how small they look. But then I'll I'll also post a picture of Jake's deer as well. And like, you'll see, like, once we actually had this deer on the ground, man, just like, it looks like almost like like, German Shepherd. Yeah, it looks like the size of a dog. And like we're we've been watching these deer come to the water and have drinks. It's like obviously like we're we are like sixty yards away or seventy yards away, so the perspective is a little different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To to put it in perspective, last year in those uh, mountains on the border, I shot at a coos buck, and I didn't take the time to range him because I was kind of walking around. Right. Uh, I guessed him about 20 yards. I put my 20-yard pin on him. I shot, and I shot, no shit, six, eight inches over his back. And this one didn't jump the string. But 
I shot six, eight inches over his back or something. I was like, what in the world? So I ranged the spot he was standing in. He was eight yards from me. Oh, shit. He's just tiny. Tiny. Like, man, these, it's crazy because we're used to dealing with, like, those northern mule deer, those northern white tails that are, like, 300 pounds. <laughs> 200 at least. At least. Well, well over some two. Of those Dude, big muleys. I remember some of the big muleys we shot, like... We're John. Was to try to drag it out, dude. Your dad fifty yards of sucking. Your dad shot one that last year. It was just a forking horn. That the body on that thing was giant. Yeah, like they are big. So especially compared to a little bitty coos deer, but it's just so. Yeah, me and Jake, we literally we went up the side of the hill. We gritted it out, and sure enough, Jake found this buck, which is just literally a needle in a haystack. So in those trees, and, yeah. It very well could have ended bad, and we very well could have not found that deer very easily. But moral of the story is, if you make a marginal shot, fight the urge to go bump that deer and go find him right away. Sit. Yeah. And let everything transpire. Fight the urge as long as you can. And be honest with yourself. Like, you know if that shot was, was marginal or not. I knew it right away. Yeah, and some guys, you know, they, they got a pride thing going. I'm like, nah, nah, I smoked him. I smoked him. I killed that deer. And they get the fuck up, and they bump him into the next county. And so, yeah, it's just, I can tell you what. So, my very, very first hunting experience, like, this was probably like five or six years ago. I was with Joe, who was my hunting mentor, and his son, Dylan. My very, very first bow season ever. Just bought my, my brand new bear cruiser, whatever the hell kind a of. Sweet bow. Yeah, whatever bow. That <laughs> bow blew up on me twice. <laughs> it was a sweet. That fucker blew up on me twice. They replaced, strings. They replaced it each time, but it blew up on me twice. <laughs> but, um, Nobody shoots bows. <laughs> true. I don't know about that. But, um, but yeah, so I'm out there with uh, Joe and his son. And a nice velvet three by three mule deer. We drive by it on the road, steps out feeding in a little area. And so we drive past it. And Joe's son Dylan takes me out and literally pretty much guides me into this deer. And so we go stalking down in on it. And the deer's in a thicket. And he busts out of the thicket and just stands there and looks at us for like five seconds at like 60 yards. <clears throat> and I draw back my bow. Dylan gives me the range, and I swear I smoked this deer. It looked like the most perfect shot. And I was shooting the Luminox at the time. So I just watched this Luminox disappear behind this deer's shoulder. And the deer's hit pretty hard. And me and Dylan are like, oh, yeah, smoked him. Celebrate. And sitting there. And then we watched the deer run about 60 yards and bed down under a tree. And granted, at the time, Dylan, I think, is probably like 16, maybe 17 years old. Still in high school. What, 6'5", 250 pounds? Oh, the kid's a beast. He's yeah, huge. yeah, he plays D-tackle for uh, NDSU. So, yeah, he's, he's a total beast and just the nicest kid you'll ever meet and a badass hunter, too. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so we're celebrating, like, yeah, smoked him, and then we watched this deer go bed down. And, obviously, I'm a novice hunter, so I don't know really what, really what to do at this point. And so I, my first instinct says, Go shoot him again. Like, and you know, Dylan's 16, 17 at the time. He's like, yeah, good idea. Let's yeah, go try to shoot sweet. him again. Yeah. So we knock another arrow. We try to sneak up on him. We get to maybe 40 yards. Deer takes off. Gone. Gone. Like. These he, things are tough, man. It probably would have been my, 
would have been one of my best deer, especially as like as my first year. Mm-hmm. It would have been an awesome first deer. Hard to beat next year. Yeah, would like would have been an awesome <laughs> first deer. And like, yeah, he bounced out of there, and we tried to track him up. We had little to no blood, and never found it. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that we all take away these experiences from hunting and like i said if you hunt long enough you're gonna hit one and probably not find it or whatever but if you can listen to what me and jake are saying right now don't go after him if you know that shot's not necessarily the greatest i think even if you think it's great yeah that's that's exactly what i was just but gonna you can't say see where he piled up yeah if you can't see him lay down yeah if you don't see him die and even like you said if you think that shot is great i still would just say give it an hour or two if, if you still got sunlight What's the rush? Exactly. What's the rush? Don't go and bump that deer to the next county. She'll never find it. Me and Jake both could tell you from personal experience. So just, if you shoot one marginal, sit down. It's easy to stay at this table, man. But I'll tell you, for those four hours, I was looking at the second hand on the clock. Oh, I'm sure you were. I mean, it sucks that we know that a deer is out there, unfortunately, struggling. But at the end of the day... It's the difference of finding them or not. Exactly. Because if you don't find them, it's all for naught. You hit that deer, you hurt that deer, now that deer's out there hurt, it's going to die anyway, and now a damn coyote or a bear or a mountain lion is going to eat him, and you have that guilt. But guess what? After four hours' time, you find that deer, guess what? We got him all cut up. He's already in the cooler. I owe that to you and my old man, for sure, for making me sit there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it hurts, and and past experiences, right? Because I've lost one like that. Yeah, and I, and I think that you know, once you have that hurt of losing one, you realize, you know what? As much as it sucks to have to sit here, and as much as I want to go get them, I gotta stay. I gotta sit here. I gotta stay. Be patient. And you know what? That deer that that you hit a little far back was what two hundred yards from where you last saw him. Yep. So as soon as he knew I wasn't chasing him no more, he laid down. He laid down. And so he stayed there. And just that's a good lesson to take from this. And I mean, I don't know. I'm just super happy you came and you made the trip. And I'm super happy that you got a deer. And I mean, I'm on cloud nine. I might as well have just shot a deer. <laughs> Seriously, man. We're both going home with a little meat. We'll split this sucker up. Yeah, I mean, and I appreciate you, man, but it's just like even if even had we had not killed the deer, the whole thing would have been worth it. It would have been a blast. You're not, you're not kidding, man. There's nothing better than coming out here and hanging out with you for a couple days out in the woods. Well, and I got to get my ass out to Texas because you're out in Fort Worth now. How long how long have you been out in Fort Worth? I moved down in March from North Dakota. I spent 27 years in North Dakota and moved down here. I've been there for like six months or whatever it is from March, but. I'll tell you what, man, that's a, uh, for a bow hunter or rifle hunter or bird hunter or whatever you might want to be, that's a challenging place to hang out. Well, you, you don't have much public access. Hunting is commercialized and, and it's a big revenue service for a lot of private landowners. Texas has the lowest public land in all the 50 states of the United States. You can't go walking around with a bow in your hand. Yeah, that sucks, especially coming from like places like North Dakota where we had the Badlands and then... You hunt Arizona almost every year now where we have a shit ton of public land. Yep. And that's that's the thing I was getting at with that whole getting a few guys together and maybe just buying a piece of property and then we got our own beast because some of these states, if you don't have a little, you know, money, you can't really play the game, you know. Right. And it sounds like maybe that's how it is in Texas. You gotta 
You got to pay to play. Yeah, you got to pay to play. You got to pay money to go to pay those ranchers to go shoot hogs or deer or whatever you want to do, which I'm not necessarily opposed to doing, but I just don't want to have to pay an arm and a leg to do it. Like, yeah. I need to do it at a fair price. Uh, yeah, and from a Texan's perspective, a fair price might be 2000 bucks for a thousand acres that you split between about 10 other guys for what season yeah for the season so in some perspective it's good for the season which means you could hunt turkey whitetail you could shoot all the pigs you want anything that shows up in there that is legal to shoot you could shoot for that year but 10 guys on a thousand acres i know like it's hard to put put your eyes on right 10 guys you said 10 guys on a thousand acres something like that that's like two thousand bucks for the year i think that i think that might be worth it it just depends what the land looks like right but when you've got a thousand acres with a creek running through it and you you want to hunt water or something right and you roll out there before the season starts and there's nine trucks plus yours yeah at the gate that's everybody's carrying a tree stand out there where are they headed to the water yeah and these these deer like if you're a whitetail type of guy they want to hang out on the next guy's property or something that's posted and nobody hunts somewhere where there's no pressure yep these locations that get hunted and people allow hunting there's so much pressure that there's not a lot of animals it's tough to do unless you want to pay a guy but now you're talking trophy prices tags what type of deer do you want to shoot you want to shoot an axis deer that's the good thing about Texas. If you want to shoot some exotic stuff, which I'm not really into, I think I, I think we should do it. I, Tyler, if you're listening to this, me, you, Jake, and Tyler, maybe even you too, Joe and Dylan, like we need to save a few bucks. And I'd be so down to go shoot a a, a fucking axis or a black buck or some shit. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some romantic idea about going out there and chasing something you'd never see typically, right? Yeah, you've got this high fence, ten thousand. Well, it's just like Africa. It's just like Africa, but in Texas. Right. Um, they'll put you on them. Yeah. They'll put you on them. But it, if you take a big one and get ready to pay a big fee. Yeah, that's that bullshit. So I need all this shit. I need it all wrapped in, and like for it's the cost. Contract. Yeah, it's like I don't. I can't pay the extra trophy fee. Like, I mean. Uh, so when you say so when you say two thousand dollars for ten guys, that's that's two thousand per guy. Yes. So like, if I were to pay for the deer lease, two thousand bucks for thousand acres, I'm splitting with ten guys, right? And there's an opening, and you want to come hunt for a week or whatever, you got to pay two thousand bucks as well. I can't just bring you as a buddy. It's two thousand bucks a gun. But those type of deer leases, you can shoot whatever shows up. And there's no stud fee or no trophy fee or none of that. But you start paying these guides. Boy, if you sounds shoot, like the two thousand dollars is the trophy fee. Well, right. <laughs> but you start paying these guides, regardless if you shoot a deer or not. It might cost you a thousand bucks. But you pay a thousand bucks for a guy to take you out and show you a whitetail that's hundred and seventy inches or some wild thing they got in Texas. If you shoot that sucker, you might be in for another five thousand bucks. It yeah. Just depends on the deer you take. Yeah, so with that, with that kind of pricing, it's just like, that's what leads me to say. We need to get a few guys and just buy the land. Just because for those prices, it's just like, you want to say we want to do that almost every year, every other year. Once you build that up into five or ten years, you would already damn near have the land that you wanted to buy down somewhere in Mississippi or something like that, you know? Right, yeah, unless you're specifically interested in hunting an access buck, which... Becomes more and more of an idea in my head after you hear 
Rogan and Haynes and Chesser and all these boys that go down to Lanai and shoot them on the Hawaiian Islands where they're well, fucking. They say it's the best tasting deer out there. Right. And they're cool looking. They're uh, a big bodied deer with spots and some weird elk or stag looking horns. They're strange looking animals. You know, if, if you're into that, then maybe Texas is your spot. But right now, being still, I would consider myself still a novice bow hunter in a sense, right? Yeah, novice to intermediate. We're, I guess, I don't know. I think you got to be doing it. You should, you're probably more intermediate than novice, I'd I, say. I still get the... I still get the nerves, man. And maybe that never goes think, away. I don't right? think the nerves ever go away. They probably don't. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think for um, the prices that we're talking about to hunt Texas, I, I'm not sure what land cost in Texas. But if you got land in Texas, you could just buy all these random ass exotics and just throw them out there and hunt them yourself, right? Is that how that works? You sure can if you're up to something like that, running a ranch and feeding these suckers. Yeah. Whatever it takes, right? Yeah, I mean... I'm interested. I'm interested. I mean, that's right up my alley. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I'd ever want to live in Texas for per se, but I definitely want to hunt it and, and fish it. So, so uh, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah you've yeah. been doing some fishing out there in uh in Texas, right? You bought a bass boat. Here's the thing, man. Up in Nodak, I went fishing with my grandpa when I was real little. He had a he had a Crestliner like deep V deep hole boat. He take me fishing. Sixteen footer or what? Yeah, so, well, maybe a little longer than that. But okay. he was he was a big walleye fisherman. My uncles are big fishermen on my dad's side. Uh, they fished Governor's Cup on Lake Skakawee and stuff. But as many times as I went out went out with those guys, I was still in it for the experience. But I was never into the fishing real hard. Yeah. Uh, ice fishing with my old man and the family and this and that. So it was fun. fun. So fun. But. Uh, <clears throat> I would have not considered myself a fisherman until I moved to Texas and had no opportunity to hunt, right? So yeah. I get down there, and I'm itching to get in the outdoors. And Erica and I, my old lady, are kayaking around trying to fish for bass and for catfish or whatever. Just getting in the outdoors however it, however it comes. And we get to talking about, God, maybe we should buy a boat. <laughs> this kayaking thing is for the birds. Let's get one that's got a motor on it, you know? So we're looking at offer up and Craigslist and this and that, and I find a 90s uh, Stratus XL bass boat. Um, it's a pain in the ass. Barely runs. <laughs> I mean, I've had it in the shop more than I've had it on the water, you know? Dude, but you know what they say about boat? Bust out another thousand. And you ain't kidding. I've been trying to do stuff cheap, ordering stuff off Amazon, getting some buddies for help, uh, trying to fix this thing up. I even spent a night on this boat i'm not gonna say it was mechanical or user error i might have run this fucker out of gas but <laughs> tell, i ended up sleeping us, on this fucker tell us the story about how you end up sleeping on the bass boat so i put it in on the north end of this little lake that's <laughs> texas is great about lakes all lakes are fucking pretty much free access you can go out there catch fish the tag uh, your fishing license is cheap you just get out there and get after it right when hunting is hard, fishing is easy in Texas, but I get up there, put my boat in on the north end of the lake, and I'm meeting a buddy on the south end of the lake to do some fishing under the lights. There's houses with docks on this lake, and they got lights under the docks. You cast your Texas rig or whatever you might have into these lights and pull bass out, sand bass, largemouth, some smallmouth, catfish. Nice. Uh, there's gar floating in them. I got to get my bowfish oh, rig set back up. I'm ready for that, bro. But 
I meet him on the south end of the lake. We fish all night till about midnight. And he and I are getting a little tipsy. You know, nice. you're out there having a couple Michelob Ultras. There you go. Just a few. Dude, you got to drink like, I got to drink like seven big Ultras before I even feel it. Well, <laughs> by case 18, when you hit 13, you start considering like, I should probably sleep this off. But we're fishing till about midnight and he decides he's going to go home. His kid was out there in his boat. Oh, and his kid with him? How old is his kid? His kid's, uh, if I had to put a number on it, probably five. Oh, okay. Yogi. His kid fell asleep in the passenger seat of his bass boat at about 10 o'clock and he slept till midnight or whatever. And he, Grant says, uh, it's time to it's time to load it up. I'm going to get out of here. So he, he starts heading to the boat ramp and my boat ramp's seven miles away up the lake. So... I start firing up the big motor and start running. It's not running very good. It won't get on a plane. Oh. The boat's not running sweet. I get maybe two miles up the lake, and the big motor just quits running altogether. It won't start. I'm like, shit. I wonder how much battery I got left on this trolling motor. Since I bought the thing, I never charged any batteries or nothing. I, mess with nothing. <laughs> I don't know anything about boats. I don't know anything about them. But so I put the trolling motor down. I maybe make it another half a mile, and I see this yellow flashing light. My trolling motor's getting real slow. Oh, no. So I see this yellow flashing light on the, on the shore, and I'm thinking to myself, I hope to God that's a marina with some gas, because maybe this thing's out of gas, or maybe there's somebody there that'll hang out. Also, it's one in the damn morning, so oh. <laughs> probably nobody around, you know? Yeah. So I pull over there to that marina. Nobody's around there. There is a gas pump I pull up to, but you can't put your credit card in it. Somebody's got to be around to turn the sucker on oh, for you, right? So I I tie this thing off to the dock where this gas pump is, and it's got a speaker on the outside of this little gas station out on the dock, and it's playing hair metal stuff like Joan Jet, ACDC, oh, yeah. or whatever you want to yeah. call this rock and roll shit at one in the morning and i'm tied off to this dock i can't go anywhere my trolling motor's dead the big motor won't start so i send erica a text and i say uh parked at this bay at this marina it's like three in the morning at this point i'm parked here whenever you wake up come find me if you don't wake up before the guy shows up to open the gas station i'm gonna get some gas you know so or some help but anyway <laughs> About five in the morning, evidently the dogs are running around the house or something barking, but Eric calls me. Which I, is she normally up at five in the morning? No, <laughs> no way. But I think she, she might've also been a little nervous. Why the hell isn't Jake home yet? You yeah. know? So she calls me up and I wake up. I've got bug bites all over. I start throwing life jackets on my head to keep the bugs off, but she oh, said she's geez. coming to get me. She's coming to save my life, you know? Yep. So SOS. I go back to sleep. Because it's, it's going to be about an hour for him to drive all the way around so the lake. So you're just sleeping right on the deck of your bass boat? Yeah. <laughs> In shorts, a t-shirt. Oh, and now no. at this point, I've got life jackets all over my head just trying to keep the mosquitoes out of my ears and shit. You oh, know? no. And then about an hour later, I wake up to somebody jumping onto the boat. I don't know what planet I'm on. I'm freaking Oops. out a little bit. I'm like, what in the uh, hell is going on? It's still dark out? Uh, it's just getting light okay. out at this point, you know? It's Erica. Oh, she, shit. Yeah, she jumps onto the boat, and she's like, what are you doing out here? Or how dumb are you? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, shit. she gave me a ride back to my truck. I drove back down there, like swam the boat onto the trailer, loaded it up, 
hauled it to my buddy Grant's uh, shop and said, fix this motherfucker. I'm sick of dealing with this thing, you know? I said, I'm not dealing with this thing ever again. Oh, dude. Make it run. But he knows yeah. what he's doing. He got his running. His was doing the same shit mine was doing, and he, he got his running, so I trust him. He's gonna So you got a good boat mechanic for it. Yeah, he's going to figure it out. That's good, man. I mean, so, so wait, what time did you get on the water, and what time did you get off the water? I got on the water at 6 p.m. on, like, a Wednesday. I got off the water at 8 a.m. Oh, on Thursday. Did you catch any fish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, so, you're going to be out there. You should have caught some. I got to give this shitty bass boat a little credit, dude. Every light on this thing works. All the gauges work, maybe except for the gas gauge. Who knows? That's fucked. Who knows? Who knows? Right, but the live wells work. And uh, in those live wells and the aerators and stuff, which run on a battery that evidently didn't run out of charge, yeah. I had uh, one largemouth, three sand bass, and like an eight or nine pound blue catfish. That I had caught nice. the night before. We threw a bunch back that were smaller on that lake or in Texas. There's a like a size limit on the slot limit on the bass. Okay. So largemouth's got to be 14 inches. The sand bass has to be 10. So, and whatever we caught that met the slot limit, I kept. You know, yep. in that thing, we fried them up the next day. Let me tell you, bass are going to be thrown back every time I catch them. Now it's just going to be a sport fish. Because it tastes like shit. Yep. I'll keep every catfish I ever catch. That thing was delicious. And that's why walleye are better than bass. Walleye are the best tasting fish. Because not only fun are they catch, but they fucking taste so good. Dude, I'll I'll argue that a little bit though. Especially ice fishing. I don't I don't do much summer fishing when I was up in North Dakota, right? But like we set tip ups in the wintertime on ice. Are you familiar with that process at all? Yeah, you know, like, you so, I didn't like ice fish much, but it's like you drop the bait down in the water with the thing, and then the the, the fish bites it, and the, the the thing pops up in the air to let you know that you got a fish. Yeah, it's a little plastic or wood form with a flag on it, and if something pulls a string, the flag will go up. The only time ice fishing over the last two or three years that a flag has gone up, it's been a ling, it's been a sturgeon, it's been anything other than a walleye. The only time I've pulled a walleye through the hole on a tip-up has been when I was ready to leave and I go grab the tip-ups because I'm going to reel them up and there's a walleye on each one of them that just bit the thing and laid down. Sleepers. That's what you call those sleepers, bro. They might be fun to catch in the summer. I'm not familiar so much, but in the wintertime, they're lazy, dude. But these bass, I tell you what, that bass I kept that was maybe two pounds and like 14 and a quarter inches that met the slot limit or whatever. They fight. That was like one of the fighting ass fish I ever, most yeah. fish I ever caught. I hear you. Sometimes they say like uh, reeling in a walleye is like reeling in a log or some shit like That's that. That's exactly right. Because it's like, yeah, sometimes you... Even it, on those tip-ups when you're pulling the string, you don't know until you get it through the hole. It is. And bass start jumping and doing all this crazy shit, which is fun. But it's just like, I want to be able to, I want to be able to eat that fucker. Like, I want to be able to catch a fish and I want to be able to eat it. And I get it. It ain't always about that. Sometimes you want to just be a sport fisherman. Don't get me wrong. I throw back more fish than anybody. But if you give me a big bluegill, a walleye, or a perch, or a catfish, or a crappie, I'm eating that fucker. Yep. I'm eating it. Yep. As long as they're a decent size and worth worth me filleting. Because I ain't trying to fillet a little ass fish. No. So, but, man, it's been so long. I think it's been like... A year and a half now since I've been up to North Dakota and gone walleye fishing. Like, I'm overdue, bro. You're overdue? I'm so overdue. It's like, I don't... 
it's hard. It's been hard for me here in Arizona to really get my fishing fix. Like, man, in North Dakota, I really appreciate it. Sorry, I got a little bit of allergies going because me and Jake were cutting up this damn deer, which is like a farm <laughs> animal. So we're touching the hide of this deer and I'm touching my face and shit. And so, yeah, I got a little bit of allergies going. So I'm a little nasally. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Anyway, where was I at? I was going talking about walleye fishing. And fishing else. in North Dakota. Yeah, but it's just like to to come to Arizona where there's really no natural water. It's all stocked. Like they all these shits are reservoirs. You know what I'm saying? It's all damped up and all this shit. Where in like you got to have a boat. You know what I'm saying? There's no like bank fishing nowhere. That ain't happening. Really? No, it's not happening. You can't bank fish anywhere here. So, like, I mean, you can, but guess what? You're going to be in competition with 20 essays from, you know, down the block. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, dude. Like, these Mexicans are there. They're heavy, and they get there early. You know what I'm saying? They just set up shop right there on the fishing hole. Yep. Tent, shitter, everything, ready to go. You know what they're doing. Yeah, they're they're ready to rock. So, yeah, just coming from North Dakota where I could step outside of my door in town of Williston and within 15 minutes, I can have a dozen different fishing holes. Literally, where I can bank fish. I don't need a fucking boat. I'm catching walleye from the banks, like limit sometimes. Frank, this is uh this is one of the most this is one of the things I appreciate you appreciate about you the most, dude. What's and, that? Uh, you know, I meet a lot of people that visit North Dakota or hang out there for a couple of years or whatever, and all they want to do is talk shit. And I won't even exclude Erica from that group. <laughs> she talks a lot of shit about it, but it's mainly the cold with her, right? But the cold sucks. Your deep appreciation for the outdoors in North Dakota and finding something to do. Everybody's number one complaint about North Dakota is there's nothing to do. Get the fuck out of here, dude. People are full of shit, man. I, mean, I know. I mean, okay, so if you're one of those people and you want to go to the fucking bars, you want to go to a sporting game, or you want to get wine and dine, maybe North Dakota ain't for fucking you. Right. But like I said, man, that that outdoors had always intrigued me, bro. And like like I'll just we'll just fucking circle all the way back real quick. How I fucking um me and Jake lived in the fucking same same like housing like area. We moved when we moved to North Dakota, we moved to this gated community. We heard a bunch of shitty stories about how bad, you know, the Williston area specifically was. Is that why you moved out of town? Yeah, that's exactly why we ended up moving to Fendi, which was like north of town by like, you know, 10 miles or whatever. But um, so, yeah, like we heard all these shitty stories about North Dakota and it's just like we're big city folks. We're from Phoenix, like where it's like, you know, a melting pot of people, very cultural. And then we're moving to North Dakota, which is like the middle of God's nowhere. Like me and Elise fucking were like tearing up on the drive up there, just moving there from, <laughs> from, 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 yeah. Cause so we lived in Arizona and then we left our families in Arizona, moved to Colorado. We lived in Boulder, Colorado for about oh, six, six to eight place, months. Right? Beautiful, 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 bunch of stinky hippies, but absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Granola, baby. Yeah. Super granola. Just wasn't for us long-term literally. So what me and Elise did while we moved to Boulder, dude, like, so we were just tired of Arizona at the time, and we needed a change. Yep. And so, literally, we fucking, we went on Google and Googled, like, the top 10 best places to live. Yeah. 
and like it gave us all these options like like some place in North Carolina popped up. You're not going to tell me Williston, North Dakota showed up on no, the list. No, no, Williston definitely didn't <laughs> fucking show up on the list. There, Williston's like fucking number one on the don't move there list. <laughs> no, but, so, but Boulder, Colorado was on that top ten list. All right. And so um, pe- most people know me. You know, I used to, you know, chief a little bit, smoke a little bit, whatever. So I w- at the time I was just like, you know, Let's go to North. Let's go. Let's go to Colorado, just because you know. They legalized it. it. They legalized it. It's fucking. You know, we don't have to worry about anything. We need a change. Let's get the fuck out of this heat of Arizona. Yeah. And so we put all these names. We live in a frying pan. Dude. We, li- dude, it's it's so hot, man. It's it's ridiculous, and I'm I'm over it, quite frankly. But um, we put in top ten places to live, and there was all these awesome places, and this was like literally like five years ago, it maybe even longer. I don't quote me on the time, but anyway. Boulder, Colorado was one of those places. And I was just like, oh, the mountains. We looked at pictures. We started looking at, like, forums and, like, the local papers there. And it was like, oh, nice. It seems progressive. It seemed like, you know, a fun place to be. At the time, I was a bartender. There was nightlife there. So, it's like I could find work. So, fuck it. We just packed up our shit, left. Our lease was up. So, we said, let's go to Boulder. So, that's what we did. And uh, my boy Fletch and his wife helped us move. From Arizona to Boulder, Colorado. They still lived there at the time? They still lived in Arizona at the time. Sure. And they helped us fucking pack all our shit and move to Arizona or move to Colorado, which was awesome. Thanks, Fletch. Thanks, Fletch and Sarah. I appreciate you fucking guys. You guys always helped us move. Always. Fletch has always helped me fucking move. So uh yeah. They drove out fucking with a good mustache. Yeah, dude. So at the time I had that green F one fifty that I just recently sold. I missed that thing. Yeah, it was oh that thing got me stuck everywhere in North Dakota. (laughs) I would get stuck on the flattest fucking dirt road with fucking ice on it or snow on it that was hard packed. I would just try to turn I remember one time, bro, I tried to flip a fucking U turn on a dead flat road that just had was iced over. And I got stuck in the middle of that fucking thing, just <laughs> back wheel spinning. And for some reason, I heard somebody say, like, piss on it. So I, I got out and I pissed on the back tires. No way. Dude, I got out, pissed on the back tires, and it melted that shit just enough to grab a little fucking traction. I was able to back up. I've never been through that. Because you ain't never had a two-wheel drive fucked up for in North Dakota winter, dude. <laughs> I, I, did, I did have a buddy that had a, a Crown Vic he bought. A fucking rear-wheel drive crowd, Vic? Yeah, and he drove around in the winter to get to high school or whatever it was. Maybe it was just after high school, but North Dakota, in my eye at least, people were willing to help you out. And we got stuck in that sucker a lot, and all of a sudden there's 10 people behind you pushing on the back end of that sucker get you moving again. Dude, you know? there are some fucking nice people in North Dakota. That's that's one <laughs> thing I got to tell you. Some of these people are and, – and speaking of getting stuck – I mean, we're we're gonna circle back to to how how when we moved to Boulder, but anyway, how we got fucking like stuck last day of deer season. God, that was in North Dakota. I don't know. That was maybe four years ago or or three years ago. I was out looking for deer. Fucking December, I don't know, thirty first or some shit. January eighth. You in some, the Greenford? I was in the I was in the fucking uh, Gray Ford, the Gray Ford that has four wheel drive, the newer truck. And I was in North Dakota looking for deer, and we're talking about getting stuck here. So, like, literally, I'm running some side-ass fucking road that's a little bit slanted to the right. And I'm driving, and I look over, and I see deer to the right, and I'm a fucking novice. I'm an amateur. I've been fucking bow hunting for a year, and not even that, probably. 
And my dumbass, and this road is iced over, like packed, hard packed <laughs> snow, iced over, slanted to the right. My dumbass slams the brakes, locks them up, and fucking literally just goes into a slide fucking skid on this fucking dirt road and pretty much high centered myself. And I'm fucking stuck. And guess who we called for help? Jake from State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So being a North Dakota native, right, you think <sighs> driving around on the ice in the snow, I'd have no problem pulling out. <laughs> I'd have no problem, right? Jake's got the biggest lifted Dodge diesel out there. No problem. I'll get you out of this ditch, Frank. <laughs> so I put it in four and put the tow rope on this sucker. Next thing I know, I'm in the ditch no, with him, bro. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm I'll, the, the I'll tell you what the fuck happened. This fucker roll, rides up the road, rolls up, and I'm happy as fuck. He's there to save me. His truck's going to pull my truck out. No fucking problem. Jake's like, yeah, no problem. I got you, bro. Let me turn around real quick. And this fucker pulls in the same ditch I just got stuck in. Yeah. You're going to, like, fucking maneuver your truck in a certain way. You back that fucker up. It drops down in the same ditch I got stuck in. And this is fucking January 8th in Williston, North Dakota. It's negative temperatures. It was negative 17 degrees that day. There you go. Negative 17 degrees. We're and both so, laughing our ass. And we're just like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, yeah, literally. <laughs> like, laughing at ourselves. Like, we're fucking idiots. And so uh, we start fucking digging. That's all we could do. Is snow is piled the fuck up. And we don't got shit. We're digging by hand. Literally to the point where we're fucking working up a sweat. And we had this one guy in a fucking Ford... Another F-150 rolls Another by. Another F-150 rolled by, and he's like, oh, shit, look like you guys got yourself in a fucking predicament here. Yeah. And we're like, you goddamn right, buddy. Can you help us? And he's like, ah, keep digging for a while. I'm going to drive down the road and do what I got to do, and I got to come back this way. If you're still here, I'll pull you guys out. We're still there. And so, yeah, we keep digging. <laughs> we keep digging another fucking 45 minutes. I'm throwing tree branches under the tree. Yeah, we're trying to throw all kind of shit to grab traction. And the whole boy in the F, I think it was an F one fifty. I don't think I don't think it was anything bigger, like thirty fives or something. But yeah, and he goes, "I'll pull you out." And sure enough, he we had a tow strap. He hooked it up to Jake's truck, and that F one fifty pulled your twenty five hundred out of there. Yep, I had it in four low. I was moving my tires, and he got me moving. I got up on the road, and then he got us out. And then fucking Jake, we just did the same thing. We hooked up to mine, and then Jake pulled me out. But literally. We're out there for at least two hours in negative 17 digging out trucks <laughs> on some dumb shit. Yeah. It's not the first and it ain't the last time. No. I've been stuck well, I, in the snow. I'm hoping it might be the last time because you moved to Texas and I'm in Arizona. But, I mean, you never know. We get crazy going with these hunting trips and late yeah. season shit. You never know what could happen down the road. So, it probably ain't the last time. No. But, anyway... That F-150 is gone. I don't have... That's the green F-150 that was a two-wheel drive. I sold that fucker. It, we don't have it anymore. So, anyway, we put the we put the names in the hat. We moved to Boulder, Colorado. And Fletch and them help us drive there. We drive my F-150 at the time. Elise drives her Corolla at the time. We end up, we end up in Colorado for six to eight months. I got some buddies. They call me out. We go to North Dakota. They're like, hey, come work this oil field shit. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? But honestly, that's how, you got there. That, that's how I end up getting to North Dakota. It's my good buddy Xavier, who's six foot seven, tall. You met him. He's got dreads. Got a dope mega cab diesel. Got a dope mega cab maroon diesel. Yep. And then my buddy Gino, who's a solid dude, too, who's out there in North Dakota for, and he was out there for almost a decade, I think. And uh, 
that's how we got there. And you know what? For people, for people who move to North Dakota and just like say it sucks or whatever, you're full of shit because where else can you go and get paid your worth, man? Like, first of all, like we moved to North Dakota, like, like me and Fletch talked about, like Walmart was hired for like 20 bucks an hour. You could work at a gas station for 17 bucks an hour. You could get a job at Halliburton and probably make 16 bucks an hour and then work fucking 40 hours of overtime every week. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They'll work you like a dog, but they'll fucking pay you. You'll make a lot of money. And so the trouble is there if you want to find it, or you could look for the negative and say, oh, this place sucks. It's flat. It's uh, dull. I don't know why I always get that. Well, yeah, I always get that dull look every time. Even when I go back now to hunt, when I get there, it's dreary. It's like never really sunny. I guess I always come with the fall, but it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always like, it's always kind of cold, maybe a little rain. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that. But you can look for all the negatives in a place or you can look for all the positives. And I feel like I've always been that type of person trying to find the positives. So like I said, uh, I'll second that. Yeah. I mean, you got a positive outlook for sure. I think everyone should be. And most of the people that I hang out with have the positive outlook or I wouldn't hang out with you because I can't deal with that negative shit around my life. You know what I'm saying? But like we're talking about, I mean, we ended up moving to North Dakota. We heard it was a pretty shitty place. So we decided to pay a little extra money and move north of town to these nice, I guess. A little extra. A little, yeah, those places were, we paying like 1700 a month or something like that for that place. Like 1750 when I moved in up there. Yeah. I mean, this is middle of the oil boom, Williston, North Dakota. Yep. This I mean, some steep stuff. they think that these people with these houses think that everybody who lives there is making over a hundred thousand a year. That's yep. what they assume. Cause those, yep. are the, those are the prices that they're charging, but don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, we're paying seventeen hundred a month to You're live in Williston, Los Angeles, California. We were to live in. Well, I wouldn't say Los Angeles because the place was pretty nice. It was a, it was a three bedroom. I think it was a three bedroom, two, two story, yeah. huge. The way the garage condo. The, yeah, a heated garage. Yeah, the garage was heated, and uh, yeah, it just had a giant field as a backyard that we all shared, and so. Uh, Literally, so yeah, we heard it was a pretty bad place, so we said, let's just pay extra money to get there. I'm pretty sure my uh, my in-laws gave us a little bit of a loan in order to help us get into the place, because I mean, you know what I'm saying? For 1700 a month, they want first to last month's rent, like, shit, that's, yeah, that's a lot of money, man. Yep. But we knew we would make it back, because we knew that, you know what I'm saying, the work, was, the work was there, and it, and it was, you know what I'm saying? So we made pretty good money, but anyway... We moved to this place about 10 miles north of town, and we heard it's a pretty shitty place, so we're kind of keeping to ourselves, me and Elise. We we didn't have a dog or anything. It was just us at this point, me and Elise. You didn't even have Maisie yet? Not yet. Not when we first got there. We didn't get Maisie until we got to Williston. We were there for like three months. I didn't know that. Two months, yeah. Like, we got her up in Williston. Okay. And so we didn't even have a dog. It was just me and Elise at this point. And then um, we lived in this nice place north of town. And we finally just got this dog, which is Maisie, which is my baby girl now. And uh, we got this giant field as a backyard. And so, and our neighbors next door had a fucking uh, uh, golden retriever. Yeah, golden <laughs> retriever named Ginger. And so, like, and they asked us, can, hey, can you house sit Ginger there from Washington? We're going to go back to Washington. You house sit Ginger? We said, yeah, no problem. So we got our German Shepherd and this golden retriever named Ginger. And they're just, it's a wide open field and Ginger's used to it. So, and so is our dog. So there's out in the back 
back, playing, running around, no collars, no tassel, nothing. And then uh, Jake lives, like, I don't know, down the way, a few houses, but his backyard opens to ours. So I see him open his door, and he's got his pit bulls. He's got pits. He's like, hey, man, can my dogs play with your dogs? And Elise was out there, and Elise was like, yeah, just as long as your dogs aren't aggressive and mean. It was kind of a, kind of a bitch. She was kind of mean to Jake. And then, so he lets the dogs out. And I think uh, Princess at the time, which is one of his pit bulls, this is just like the black girl. Of, I guess I should she say She hates that. the ginger, She's dude. mean, dude. She's like no golden retrievers out there at all. Yeah, so he lets Princess out. I think Princess jumps on the fucking golden retriever and right start, starts fucking biting it and chewing, it. chewing on it. So we get this fucking skirmish. <laughs> And we're house-sitting this dog and trying not to get it fucking killed by this pit bull. And, uh, you know, Jake has to come over there and wrangle his fucking dogs. And I'm wrangling the fucking golden retriever. And finally, we get him separated. And Elise was pissed off. And Jake is just a super nice guy. And he was super nice about it, apologized. And he lived a few houses down. So it was like, we always had these interactions. And, like, I remember from, from time to time, your youngest pit bull, Bush boosh man would would i'd have the back door open to my house very frequently because the dog would just run in and out i'd let that sucker out and i'm looking for him <laughs> the next thing i know he's in your place eating your dog's food yeah <laughs> this little fucker would let it he jake would let his dog out and this little fucker would run into my back door that was cracked <laughs> and literally be in there chowing down on my dog's food and really, that's how me and Jake kind of became friends. And we just threw our dogs, and then we ended up doing a lot of grilling together and shooting bows. And then I got into the hunting, and yeah, we've been friends ever since. You know what? North Dakota's got just a place in my heart forever. I already told Elise, like, if I die first, and when I die, you spread some of my fucking ashes in North Dakota. Up in the Badlands up there? I got a few spots in the Badlands, a spot on the Missouri that I used to fish that, yeah, it's just like places that I've watched a lot of sunrises and sunsets. And it's just like sat there thinking about life in a tree stand in negative 10 degrees. You know what I'm saying? Moose below, yeah. Yeah, watching moose fucking in the cornfield. Like, so yeah, that's pretty fucking crazy too, man. That's, that's probably the most scared I've ever been in the outdoors is uh so me and jake hung this tree stand down in these river bottoms in north dakota and like it was a double man nice fucking tree stand that we hung up there and it's right in front of a cornfield so in order to get to our tree stand you got to walk through about i don't know maybe 50 yards of corn and i'd go roll into this tree stand at like i don't know five o'clock in the morning sometimes in north dakota winter cold as fuck crazy dude. like literally oh you're, you're wearing carhartt oh uh, bib overalls and a carhartt jacket and i'm sitting in my house like it ain't worth hunting no more <laughs> oh well for <laughs> me like i'm look, i'm sitting there looking at the cold fronts like oh shit we got a cold front the wind's right i need to go sit in that stand cold front negative 20 <laughs> yeah right if my dumb ass is in there freezing my fucking ass off and yeah so i'd get there at five in the morning and i'd have to walk and it's dark as fuck it's dark at five in the morning. Like you probably still got another hour for light. And it's like, I walked through this fucking cornfield, like a tie corn over my fucking head with a headlamp. And I'm walking in and I look up and a fucking giant bull moose, literally five yards in front of me, jumps up out of his fucking bed in the corn, plows down six rolls of corn, on the starts way out. running on the way out. I get another 15 yards of a fucking uh, female moose jumps up and runs out. Like, Literally, I'm bumping moose 
almost every other time bumping jumping in this stand. It's she like will never forget. I'll never forget it. I got I still got videos on my old iPhone that I'll post up of like me sitting in this tree stand and watching giant fucking bulls. Like if I ever had a bull tag, like I would have shot a trophy. If you if you still got that picture on that rainy day of that bull walking across that trail cam picture, I'd love to have it again. Yeah. I lost it. Oh. But what an impressive shot that that trail cam caught. Man, unbelievable. And I'm gonna post I'm gonna post all this shit up because I have all these pictures of my old iPhone. But it's just like some of the experiences I had in North Dakota, man, I'll never forget. Like from bull moose in the cord to the fucking northern lights in the wintertime. Yep to ice fishing even though i didn't catch shit to just like like i said i mean that shit soothed my soul it's almost like just what i needed at the right time you know what i'm saying it's like and to now this day i don't know where, where we are from from here to now maybe six years later but me and you are still fucking hunting still friends and still just having adventures man and it's like I would, we'd never be in this spot if it wasn't for North Dakota. It's your positive outlook. It's learning with you how to hunt these different areas. Always looking for a new adventure and constant conversation. Yeah, I'll just, I'll never regret any minute I spend out here with you and just making new memories, dude. It's unbelievable. Dude, man. me neither. I mean, I can't say enough about it. I mean, just our friendship and then the outdoors and just all these adventures that we do together. And I mean, Tyler, if you're listening too, you got to get your ass out here, man. I know you're you're out cutting and doing your thing in Colorado, but there's a coos deer or a mule deer and a javelina out here in with Arizona your with it, your man. fucking name on it, man. I know it. You're a killer too, dude. So we got to get you out here. Now we're slowly and surely just gaining more spots and just learning the country a little bit more. And I, I do think in Arizona, there's a few spots that look like those North Dakota Badlands where we can glass those bucks up from a long way away and go put a good stock on them. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna figure it out, man. Just like unit by unit, and it's just like God, I love it, bro. I love the fact that, like, I guess I went to high school and middle school out here in Arizona, and I was never in touch with any of this shit that I I wish I was. And now it's like I moved away, and now I've come back. And I have a whole different perspective on the state. I don't even do the same shit that I used to do anymore. Yeah. And it's just, I love it, man. I can't get enough of it. It's just like, where the fuck else are you going to go and see coos deer, mule deer, turkeys, bears, and all these Maybe shit? Maybe That pond we were sitting had elk tracks around and elk shit all around it and stuff too. That's the only thing we didn't tracks, see. But... I mean, that's the only thing you didn't see in a mountain lion. And you know you ain't going to just fucking randomly see a mountain lion, but it's no, just like, it's yeah, exactly. But, fuck, dude, I mean, I love it. I love it. And for any of you guys listening to this podcast and want to get into this shit, please just hit me up. If you're in Arizona and you're, you're interested in, like, trying to get in the outdoors and do some more hunting and do some more fishing, like, I can help you get into that. So, just hit me up and don't be scared, but like, man, I don't know what to say. We had a fucking awesome hunting camp and like, I'm sorry, Elise, that, you know, you and the baby and the dogs didn't come, but I appreciate it just having it, me and you, man. There was no really, no real interference other than you having to do a little bit of work from time to time, which oh, is man. just, that's yeah. to be expected. That's no big deal. But we literally, we hit it hard every day. We got after it and we... We stayed up later than we should have, just having late night dumb bullshit conversations like we're doing right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, we made the most of it. And you, you fucking got your deer. 
I learned a whole bunch of new spots and areas to hunt around this area that I'm definitely going to be going once I got a rifle in my hand in October. So, and I got to experience hunting with a quad, which is just something that's new for me that I'm super excited about in the future just because I know that's something that I need. I know that's something that'll take my hunting to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Start deeper. Get yeah, somewhere and start deeper. Exactly. It just puts you it puts you a whole step and a jump above all those people who don't have them. So and right now I'm one of those people who don't have one, but you know what? It's definitely not gonna stop me. I'm still gonna make the most of everything I do and what I gotta do. And I mean There you go. I hunt, man. That's what I like to do. I wanna go hunt. So it ain't gonna stop me from going to those places that I need to go to. Yeah, it's gonna suck hiking out of that fucking trench with a deer on my back but guess what you'll get it done that's the best part about it you'll get it done yeah that's why we do it the suck is what i remember the most you remember one time in the badlands we got us an archery buck and uh i put that sucker in an upside down carhartt jacket dude i hiked that sucker out about a mile and a half that was my first archery buck that fucker's hanging on my wall right now dude. I'll, ne- I'll never forget that whole situation you know it was a little bit of a marginal shot and uh Fuck, man, that deer ran a lot further than we wanted him to. Yep. God damn, he probably ran a mile. <laughs> a mile. He did some steep and rugged shit. And we had to put one more arrow into him. And then once we did and we got him down, like, the work really started. Because he started off close to the road. And then that marginal shot made him far from the road. And then before we knew it. We were probably a mile or a mile and a half in. We had no packs. We were novices. We yeah, we had no pack. fucking idea. Shit. I don't know. You think you were the only one with a fucking sharp knife? And yeah, we you had a we had a Carhartt jacket that you fucking <laughs> folded up into a pouch. We ended up we ended up cutting this deer up into pieces, literally deboned the fucking whole deer. Because we were so far in. We were, I don't, I don't think we were carrying out quarters, were we? Did we carry out any quarters? We, I think we might have carried out two, two, two back quarters or two front quarters. But everything else was deboned. And yeah, Jake put this fucker in a Carhartt that you probably end up having to throw away. Because I think <laughs> that first shot was in the guts. <laughs> so you got a fucking Carhartt that smelled like the barnyard out there. And we had to hike that fucker back a mile and a half through some steep shit. The suck is what makes it all fun. Oh, I'll that never shit sucked, dude. Yeah, and I'll never forget any of these experiences. Just like, this is why you do it. Like, yeah. even if you don't kill a deer, just the fun of, like, literally, me and Jake are fucking riding back-to-back on this little rancher for the last three or four days, <laughs> going up and down these hills. People are probably looking at us like we're fucking idiots, but you know what? Like, we got a deer down, we had some success, we had some adventures, and... Saw some new country. I'll never forget it. Like Made these some new memories. New memories, man. And that's that's really what this shit is about. Every single year is about the new memories. And I mean, in time as we get older and as we grow, I'd love to just continue to like expand our adventures. Like, Absolutely. We go, we did the North Dakota thing. Now you're in Texas, so we're gonna do the Texas thing. We do the Arizona thing, and then Tyler's in Colorado, so I believe we need to start building points in Colorado. And be able to do the Colorado thing, but yep. I, I'd eventually like to get to Idaho, I think, as well. And uh, I just think that as we get older and we mature, I just would just love to keep continuing these adventures, man. I and mean, we will. yeah, I just I just don't want it to stop. I mean, mm-hmm. even as as I have a young child and 
as she grows, like, I can't wait to bring her with us. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just the experiences. It's like, it's nobody else that I'd want to do this shit with other than like my friends and my family. And so what I want to touch on too, is just like how I did. I took my relationships like that. I had in North Dakota for granted. Just like, like I said, with you, Tyler, Fletch, Joe, it's just like I had good buddies to hunt with. And, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of stuff in regards to hunting. And it's like a lot of people do. They talk about like how you can't just hunt with anybody. It's a very intimate thing. Like most people, most people don't get that. Like you're out there and like, yeah, it's all fun and games and you're hiking and you're riding quads or whatever. But when it comes time to kill an animal, like, not everyone is on the same wavelength. Not everyone has the same ethics. Not everyone has the same morals. And so I've come to realize that since I've moved back to Arizona, yeah, I got a couple buddies that hunt and fish, but they're not as hard-hitting as my buddies were in North Dakota, where it's like, if it's hunting season, we're going to be out there as much and as often as we can until that tag's filled. Just the way it is. Like, it's a job. Like... It is a job in a way, but it's, it's like a job to accumulate these experiences, right? It is. It is. And it's like, I just come to realize that I had buddies that I really could do this with. And like, it was totally like organic and just like, like even, even like when we're out there, I know when we're sitting out there during times during this week, when we're hunting, it's like, we're looking over at each other. It's like, no, you shoot it. No, you shoot it. No, you. We're fighting over. We're we're telling each other. No, I want you to shoot it. You're telling me no. I want you to shoot it. Right. Where it's like I get just as much enjoyment watching you be successful as I do myself. Maybe even more watching you be successful. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. It's like I'm the same way. And so, but it's like I went hunt with. I went hunt with a few guys here, and I'm not going to name any names. But it's just like it's just like a me 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 thing. It's like usually when I go hunt with all my buddies from Nodak, we're hunting together. We're sitting in the truck and we're glassing deer. Whoever spots that deer gets the first choice. Like, hey, I spotted it. No, I don't want that deer. You want to go try to get it or whatever. Or it's a cumulative effort on thinking up the best approach to going out and stalking that deer. What hill crest do you want to go over? Yeah. What uh, what wind direction is coming at him? What is that deer going to do next? It's, it's, it's a, a game plan. Yeah, we're having a conversation. We're trying to formulate a game plan. But I've met people, too, that... I've got an idea how this is going to go down, and that's the only idea that's out there. And it's not only that, but it's like I've been hunting with buddies where it's like I'm the one. I spotted the deer, and I'm like, hey, hey, bro, there's a deer over there. And then he's telling me, oh, really? Oh, stay here and watch it. I'm going to go try to kill it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, bro. Who spotted this? Yeah, I just saw that deer first. I'm the one who told you it was over there. Maybe I want to go try to kill it. It's funny how quick that, like, you know – I, I get just as much enjoyment out of seeing you be successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when one little situation comes apart, you know, it's funny how, how quickly that changes. It's crazy. It's it's crazy how that is. But like, oh, you own this thing. now. And the thing is, is like none of my hunting buddies in North Dakota, we've never acted that way. It's almost like that. We've always just had that mutual thing where it's like we and it was never even spoken or talked about. It was just almost just assumed. Understood. Understood. Yeah. yeah. 
Where it's just like, all right, well, you spotted that deer, so I think you need to be the first one to try to go fucking kill it. And then if you don't want it... I'll walk with you and range for you or whatever it might be. Exactly. It's just... And so that's like one experience that I had with some guys here. Then I have some other experiences where it's just like, it's just not the same. I don't know if it's not the same passion or it's just like, it's just different styles where it's like, I have experience where I go hunting with buddies here sometimes. And it's like, I'm ready to wake up in the morning and put my camo on and go hunt. While it's still like, literally, it takes me 10 minutes to roll out of bed, go and ready to go. And then I got other buddies where it's like, you know that we're supposed to be going here in like 15 minutes, but you got to fucking make breakfast. Now you're up here frying bacon and fucking making scrambled eggs and shit. And <laughs> you're Jake don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's one thing different. We stay up tr- talking shit and talking until fucking 2 a.m. I get it. You're not going to want to get out of the bed come 4 a.m. Yeah. That ain't even a night of sleep. That's a quick nap. So, yeah, of course you don't want to get out of the bed. But it's like... When I'm up and ready at 5.30 in the morning to go hunting, and you're telling me you need a fucking hour to cook breakfast, I'm not on board with that shit. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so it's just like, I've come to realize, like, if I'm hunting in Arizona, more than likely, I'm probably going to be hunting solo, unless one of my buddies from out of state is going to come up or whatever. It's just, I know, like, some, some of my buddies here, I love them to death, and they're great guys, but... They just don't have that same passion and drive that I do when I have a tag burning a hole through my pocket. Keep uh, my only my only sentiment there might be just keep doing your thing, do what feels right to you, and while you're out here in the hills, you're gonna stumble upon people that are just as ambitious as you, have the same ideals as you, and morals as you, and the more you're out here, the more people you'll meet. You know what I mean? That will that will be on the same page as you. And just give them a chance, huh? Yeah, I yep. mean. You, you can't, like you were talking about a day or two ago, you can't meet, meet people on forums or in Sportsman's Warehouse and expect to be yeah. hunting buddies forever. But if you're out here in the woods, you bump into somebody that's doing the same type of hunting that you're doing, and you're courageous enough to have a conversation with these people. I've seen it hand, you know, yeah. time and time again. Uh, you're going to meet somebody eventually that you click with and you hunt with, just like we met. Yeah, I mean... I guess I'll have to give it a chance because like I've almost written it off. Yeah. I've almost written it off to the point where it's like, you know what? If I'm here in Arizona, I don't have any buddies from out of town that want to come hunting. I'm solo hunting. And I'm okay with that because like I said, I like, I like the peace and quiet. I also like hunting on my terms. Sure. I don't want to feel like I'm slowing somebody else down or, you know, you're doing something that I don't want to do or I'm doing something you don't want to do. I don't want to feel that way. I just kind of want to do my own thing with no pressure. And I think that's why I enjoy hunting with you so much is like you are totally cool with doing your own thing. And I've got my own agenda sometimes, right? Yep. but it doesn't hurt either of our feelings to do that and split up nope. and meet back up. We make a plan on to meet back up you yep. know? or if, if something's successful, we can both sit the same spot or come up with a game plan that's going to work. And we're collaborative. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't I don't know that I'm necessarily and it's like I don't know that I've found that here with just someone on the exact same wavelength. And it's it's tough. And so for you people out there trying to get into this, like yeah, you need to realize it's not just something that you could just say, Oh, I want to be your hunting buddy and your friend and let's just go do this together because it's it sometimes shit gets pretty real and it gets pretty deep and like crazy shit happens from time to time. Right. Like, like I know me and Jake, so 
me, Jake, and Tyler, like, we used to go doe hunt every single fucking year in North Dakota, right? I mean, obviously, like, I've had a kid, you've moved, so maybe we haven't done it in the past year or so. But, like, shit happens where it's, like, not necessarily... If you're not on the same wavelength as those people that you're hunting with, you might not be comfortable with some of the shit that happens. Like, I remember a few years ago, like, we're hunting these does, and it's always an adventure with these does, these Montana does that we end up buying tags for hunting. Yeah, shit. Montana doe tags. Montana doe tags. This is what... Williston's 30 miles from the border of Montana. Yep. And where we hunt <clears throat> archery tags in North Dakota is maybe closer than that, like five or ten miles from the Montana border. So Super quick. often we'll buy Montana doe tags, and when we go to lunch, we're going to lunch in Sydney, Montana, or, or Fair, Fairview, Montana. Yep. You know, it's, it's right across the border. So we'll pick up these these doe tags, rifle doe tags, where we can drive over the border, where we're getting lunch, and we might see a doe for an opportunity. Yep. And literally, so... And it's fun. It's a blast. A great way to fill your freezer, I would say. No doubt. And it it should be a super easy slam dunk of a hunt. Because does are fucking everywhere. And, uh, you know, like us, it should be super easy. But we like to make shit hard. So we get to drive in these back roads and fucking these coolies and these deep canyons and shit. Looking for these does. And yeah, we, we end up spotting a few does. We get out put a little quick stock on the does and it's me you and tyler this was a few years ago and uh we, we were talking about like just like morals ethics and just you know having all that shit in common with your other hunt buddies and so we're driving these back roads and uh i think jake's up to bat all three of us got tags in our pocket we got rifles in the truck we're driving around 70 dollar non-resident doe tag oh and you Everybody's could buy, you could you could buy up to like seven or eight of them like talk about through your freezer like that's why i love montana because and that might be the state we buy, we buy land in or at least a little bit but yeah seven or eight doe tags just to fill your freezer up so jake's up to bat we all got a couple tags in our pocket for these does and uh, so we, we see a doe down in, down in a deep cut of a draw. And so we get out, put a quick stock on the edge of the draw, and shoot down into the draw, which is probably, what would you say, maybe 400, 500 yards? So pretty good ways. Pretty good ways. And so, uh, Jake, she, what is it? You got a 300 wind mag, a Tika, yep. Tika 300 wind mag, which is a fucking cannon. And so Jake lays down prone. He'll set you back. Yeah, he lays down prone on the ground and just... I don't know if he's using a backpack or if you got a... I got a bipod on You got a bipod on that thing. And yeah, so literally just lays one into this doe. And she hits a hill and rolls down the hill. And like, literally, she's dead. Like, we're all like, great shot. She's fucking dead. That's what I figured. Dead as a doorknob. And so we're like, great job. Celebrate. Let's go get this doe. So we got it's all public land, so you can't just drive the truck down there. We got to go hiking down this fucking steep cut. Well, we probably could have shot a doe, I don't know, 100 yards off the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we, we always got to make it more work. And so uh, we get down there. We're, this doe literally, like, rolled, piled up, rolled down the fucking hill and yeah, didn't move. Didn't move. Feet in the air. So we get down there. We set the rifle down. We walk down there because we, we're thinking we're packing out this doe. We get down there, and this bitch is still alive. All I got's my benchmate on 
<laughs> Still alive, dude. We're, we're like 300 yards from the truck, maybe, or something. Oh, we're like 500, well, felt like 500 yards after you walked down <laughs> to that deep-ass draw. So, yeah, I mean, pretty far from the truck. Like, it would have took somebody 10, 15 minutes, maybe, to run to the truck, grab a gun, come back. Yep. So she's still fully alive. Not dead yet. Fully alive. And so sometimes you got to do what the fuck you got to do, right? I mean, and as hunting buddies, we all grew up together. I think we're all on board with the same thing here. It's like, let's get her down as fast as possible and as ethical as possible. And that's just what we had to do. And all we had was a knife. I, I grew up watching this thing happen probably, I'll, I'll say maybe two, maybe three tops of deer I watched uh, dispatched with a knife, right? Yep. And I'm not going to say I'm comfortable with it. I don't like it. I don't watch, like watching them suffer. And even when you cut their throat, they still suffer for quite a while. But in lieu of walking back up the hill, 300, 400 yards to the truck. It was the fastest way. I made the call. It was the, fa- it was the fastest, most ethical way. And so, yeah, Jake did what what had to be done. Me and Tyler had to sit there and watch it. And, and no, sucks. none of us like it. Nobody likes it. It's not fun. It's not. It's it's just. It's part of the game. If you're gonna do this for long enough, and you're gonna hunt, and you're, you're gonna, gonna yeah, it's gonna happen. And let's just be real. Even these guys you see on TV or these insta famous hunters, this shit happens to them too. Don't be fooled. So uh, yeah, we had to go down there. Jake had to cut her throat. She died. And you know what? We hauled her out of the hill. And I think I made uh, chicken fried backstraps that night out of yeah. her. You know dude. you were on a frying pan, Frank. Dude. The most delicious thing. Man, I think I got this recipe from Joe's wife. But anyway, like southern style chicken fried backstraps. And people talk all this shit about, oh, you get the deer all uh, stressed out when you don't kill it right away. And it gets all these hormones running. Does it taste good? I'll tell you what, that fucking deer was delicious. Yep. We ate every ounce of that bitch. <laughs> so, you know, and it's like, I, it was tough to watch, but just, I think that's what kind of molds you and what kind of grows you and even what makes you appreciate these animals that we hunt so much more. You know what I'm saying? It's They're like tough animals. Tough animals. And it's like, obviously that, that shit always breaks our heart to have to go down there and see that or have to deal with that. But let it be known. We used every single ounce of that deer. We ate every last bit of it. And not a, not a, not even a little bit went to waste. I brought I brought the bones home, and my dog is my dogs ate the bones. Frank, I got to give you credit for that. You know, it was like growing up. It wasn't neck meat or rib cage or anything used like that. It was you know quarters, backstraps, tenderloins made into badass sausage or patties or whatever. Super super excellent stuff, but. I'll give you some credit. Like the first deer I shot in North, in uh, Williston was some doe, right? And I called you over to help me butcher that thing up. Yep. And you took the rib cage home, <laughs> which is typically thrown away, right? Or left on the mountain or whatever. Yep. You know, you took it home and let your dogs get after it, which is uh, total use of the animal. That's you know, I think that's got something to do with maybe getting into the game a little bit later in life. And it's just, I mean, I guess I, I watch all that meat eater shit with Steven Ranella and all and that. He's got recipes for deer ribs. For everything. And it's just like, I don't know, man. It's just like, it's one of those things for me where 
I feel pride in having some deer in my freezer. Yep. Like I really do. Like it's not something that everybody has. So when I pull out that Traeger and I throw the smoke setting on for 250 and I put that little deer steak on there and then I finish it off in a cast iron with some butter. The old reverse sear trick. Man, bro. Like, and then I even got the electric th thermometer that I put in it. So I make sure I take it off at like, you know, 145 or 150. <laughs> well, I'm usually like 145. You don't want to kick, you don't want to cook deer well done. But, um, it's awfully lean. Yeah, it's, it'll dry out real quick. But, um, yeah, and then we, we grind it down. We make sausage. We make deer sticks. Burger patties. Burger patties. And, and my absolute favorite, and so is Elise, is like we grind deer down. So, literally, you just get a giant bowl and get deer meat, throw it through your grinder, and then get about 30% of that and add, like, either pork, ground pork, or, like, a 70-30 ground beef. If you mix the two together yeah. with the deer and then the fatty beef or the fatty pork, oh, bro, that shit's delicious. I even do a little bit of bacon sometimes. Last time I came down to Arizona to hunt, I stayed at your place the first night or whatever, right? And you guys made tacos. Deer tacos. That's Elise's favorite. I mean, unbelievable. Unbeatable. Man, okay. I mean, people talk about deer being gamey and all. They're, fuck, they're not doing it right. And the the perception on mule deer not tasting as good as whitetails, right? I grew up with that perception as well. Yeah, uh, I can't I can't say I see it. No, and like done right, it all tastes great. Yep. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've always enjoyed the taste of deer meat, and so I don't know. I I take pride in using every last scrap that I can. Like I said, like you like you said. My dogs will be chewing on those rib bones and everything that's left. <laughs> I'll take every I'll take every last scrap of meat off of it, and then what's left, the dogs get. Yep. And so, not a piece of any of these animals go to waste. Like we use every last ounce, and like you had me take the the liver and the heart off the mountain today with this coos buck. Yeah, and most guys leave that on, but I'm like, nah, I need that. Like typically, that that stays in the gut pile for me. But yep. Uh, just add a little perspective in my hunting experience, right? I bet your booze and princess would appreciate some of that shit too. Yeah, and that's probably what my dogs will do. We'll just gotta have give it to give it to a little bit of both of them. They gotta have snacks. And what I do for my dogs with that liver, I slice it real thin and I put it on the dehydrator. Really? Yeah, and it's dried snacks. So it's like literally like they love it, man. They love it. Especially yeah, when they go in heat. Instead of paying nineteen bucks for a pack of dog treats. <laughs> you got your own, you kill a deer. It's, there you go. I mean, whatever scraps, the the even the tallow. I give that to the dogs. They love that shit, man. I mean, that's... You remember cutting up deer in my garage in Williston or whatever, and Booge and Princess were out there just eating scraps off the floor as they fell Oh, home. they love it. And the only, they do love it. The only bad part is the fucking dogs will smell like deer for the next three, four days. <laughs> yeah, their uh, their coat gets all oily and shit, but, I mean, it's probably good for them. Keep everybody, keep everybody entertained. I gotta take a leak. Yeah, dude, do your thing. But, um, so yeah, we, me and Jake are up here. I mean, we, we had this, uh, this cold spell come in. I think it had to do something in Colorado. I seen it was, uh, snowing in Colorado the last couple days. And so we got up here on Sunday and Sunday and Monday, I think it was like the highs were 95 degrees and the lows were in maybe the fifties. And then uh, literally, so I think Tuesday it rolled in. Tuesday, Wednesday, the highs were in the low 70s and the lows dropped down into like the high 30s. 
So yeah, it got hella cold. Me and Jake fell asleep in this camper last night, and you can't run the generator, so we can't run the heat. And so yeah, we we're, we're all tucked into sleeping bags. It was like thirty nine degrees, and we stayed up till probably one or two o'clock in the morning, just doing what we're doing right now, just literally talking bullshit, catching up, because and literally so. Let me explain to you guys how me and Jake's friendship is. Like, I really, I really love our friendship, and I, I really appreciate. It. I need Jake to know this, just because me and Jake don't necessarily talk too often throughout the year. We don't live, to, we don't live next to each other anymore. Like back when we both lived in North Dakota, like yeah, we talked and saw each other on a weekly basis. But uh, now that we live in separate states, like literally, I might talk to Jake on a phone call or through a text message. Like we usually we usually talk on text message because me, Jake, and Tyler are on a group text and we're always texting each other usually a couple times a month. But I might talk to Jake like on the phone like once a year. Literally. Maybe once a year. But every time we get back together, I know what it is. And we pick right back up right back up from where we left off. And it's just like I know some of you guys have some of those friendships that are just like super easy to maintain. It's not somebody that constantly needs you calling them and checking in. It's like, oh, you didn't come to my birthday party, so you might not be my friend anymore. Yeah, like that's not how we operate. Like I've talked to this fucker like on the phone maybe once or twice a year, and then we got a little group text where we send each other shit a couple of times a month, but not too often. But every fucking time we get back together, it's like we just l picked up where we left off. And that, I swear that's the best type of friendship. I really do. Like, as as we get older and as we mature, I swear, like like I told Elise the other day, I'm 35, pushing 40. And it's just like, you don't have time. You don't have time to entertain small friendships anymore. Like, we have, we got families. We got jobs. We got priorities. We got responsibilities. We don't have time to always interact and catch up and do all this shit. But when you catch back up with that friend and you see him and you get back together, it's just like you pick right back up. We're back. We're cutting up. We're talking for hours. We're hunting. We're just doing our thing. It's like it's just one of the great friendships that I have. And I'm just super grateful for it, Jake. I appreciate you, brother. Man, I kept telling you the same, but I appreciate you too. Yeah, man. I mean, from from North Dakota to Arizona, we've we've hunted We've done a lot of crazy shit, and I mean, I just hope for more. Maybe we, maybe now we can go from California to Florida or some shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, we're rambling on. It's been almost two hours. We we pretty much drank down most of this J-Lo, and I think we're going to keep going. Yeah, that's that second bottle. Look. That second bottle's getting pretty cut into. We're, we're going to finish this second bottle of J-Mo. We're going to get off of here, but... Uh, you know, this is it. This is another episode of Frank Mott's Weekly Thoughts. I got one of my best friends in the world, Jake on and uh live podcast. I think this is the this is gonna be the first live podcast to be dropped on this. We we had Matt on who was gonna be on be on the podcast and you know, we weren't able to drop that yet. I'm still hoping that Matt'll listen to it, man, because I really think it's a great one. But we ain't gonna talk about that right now. I'm talking about me and my boy Jake at our hunt camp and we had a great one. Jake got a coos deer with a bow, which is just an absolute awesome accomplishment. No doubt. No doubt about it. And we seen bears. We seen a whole bunch of different animals. And I think you've been in town for what, 
six days, five days. Yep. And uh, that's it. Right up on a week or something. Right up on a week. And the season ends tomorrow, the 10th, the art, the early archery season. So Jake got it done. And that's back in January, buddy. We'll be back in January chasing, uh, hopefully Javelina and some more deer, maybe down closer to the Mexican border in a different spot than we are now. But, uh, I, I appreciate Jake coming out and I just, I can't thank you enough, brother. I can't thank you for these, this opportunity, man. Man, I love it. We're going to keep doing it. Frank Motts, Weekly Thoughts. This is it. Deer Camp Chronicles. My boy, Jake. Wow. I love you guys. Matter of fact, hold up, hold up, hold up. This shit ain't over yet. This shit ain't over yet. I got a couple questions for you, dog. Maybe. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do in the outdoors? Dude, I'm not going to say fishing was ever my number one priority, right? Right. I, I'll say stalking a sexy mule deer buck is my favorite thing to do in the outdoors. But quickly gaining on that is spending time with Erica on that stupid boat <laughs> in Texas. It's growing on me. Dude, I got to I'm not going to say it's going to surpass it, but that's growing on me. So you got with the bow or with the rifle with these mule deer? Uh, it's a bow. It's it's trying to get as close as you possibly can without that deer knowing you're coming. Yeah. Seeing him from two miles away or a mile away or a thousand yards or whatever it might be. Yeah. And making a plan, getting as close as you can, and drawing that string back. It's yeah. I think I'm 100% with you. If someone were to ask me that same question, I think that's it. I mean, a bow in my hand, hiking through some form of nature, don't matter what the topography is, and I'm chasing a deer. Whether it's a mule deer, a coos deer, a white tail, I really don't care what kind of deer it is. It's going to be deer hunting for me with a bow in my hand. I mean, it... it let's let's say that sucker's a mile away and i'm walking the whole way shoes off situation like i saw you shoes off situation it's it's adrenaline heart pumping the entire time trying to keep that wind right trying to keep out of line of vision it is a whole thing that i'll never most people that's that's that shit i talk about that uh recon marine mode you know what i'm saying where it's like you're in it and it 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 almost feels like when you were in that situation, like that animal could shoot you back because your yep. adrenaline's going so hard and you're fucking flooring through the roof. And it's just like you've you've said it a handful of times, man. <laughs> when them suckers bust you or you bust one, bouncing out of your life, dude. They do that stop, yep, and your heart sinks, and they're bouncing forever right out of your life, forever, forever, and I never see that sucker again. Yeah, man, and that's. That's why we do it, man. It's just those close encounters, the the being able, like you said, pull those strings back, bend the limbs, and maybe being able to shoot one, and maybe being able to kill it. Maybe you miss, like I have a couple times, but me too. I still love it, man. I don't care. I'm shooting. Guess what? I'm gonna shoot my. I'm a shooter. I'm gonna shoot my shots, regardless <laughs> of whether I miss or not. What so, Jordan say? Is this a thousand percent of the shots you don't take? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, Gretzky, but whatever, bro. You gotta shoot. I might miss a couple <laughs> of the bitches, but guess what? Eventually, I'm gonna hit one. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we didn't get it done during the arch- archery season with the bow, but I'm super happy my boy Jake did. But guess what? I'm coming back for you bitches in October with a rifle. Yeah. So, That's uh, to be yeah, I'm ready to let one ring with that 308. But anyway. Last question here for my boy Jake, and we're just going to fling this off the top, freestyle it. So you got to fight one, 
You got to fuck one and you got to start a business with one. And these are your choices. You get Madonna, you get Sheryl Crow, and I'll give you Tiger Woods. Fight one. You got to fight one, you got to fuck one, and you got to start a business with one. Oh, you gave me two chicks that I might give the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Madonna and Sheryl Crow? Sheryl Crow, yeah. I mean, Does she sing with that? Hairy ass, <laughs> yeah. dude. She got a little raspiness. She and she did let uh Neil Armstrong hit too. I'm a fighter. You gonna fight Cheryl Crow? Yeah, dude. Okay, blur braids and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so you gonna fuck Madonna, dude? I remember as a kid seeing Madonna in like some like swirly cone like <laughs> Louis Louis covers. Yeah, <laughs> with the tassels and shit on them. Yeah, dude. <laughs> What? Like a virgin, dude? Like a, yeah, dude. Hell yeah. The blonde Madonna. Yeah. And she's fit as fuck, too. I'm not going to say I got the hammer, dude, but I'll give her what I got. Well, yeah, dude. Yeah. And then you're going to, so so you're going to fuck Shell you're going to fight Shell Crow, beat her ass. You're going to fuck Madonna. I'm going to go fucking, I'm going to get bankruptcy going on with Tiger Woods because I don't think he got no sponsors no more, does he? Nah, Tiger Woods still balling, dog. He won Get the, out of here. Dog, he won the Masters uh, too. Is he still around Red Polo on Sundays? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> That's my boy, dog. Tiger won the Masters, I want to say, two years ago. Get out of here. Dude, I swear he won the Masters. Don't quote me on this shit, but I swear Tiger won the Masters two years ago. And if I'm, and if I'm starting a business with – you – you got the choices halfway right. Because I got to be honest, I probably would have fucked Cheryl Crow just because I got a thing for brunettes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I'm definitely starting a business with Tiger, bro. Yeah, Tiger's worth a bill. Tiger's worth a bill. I'm definitely starting a business with, with uh, a business Tiger. Man. That's the GOAT. I mean, when you're talking about golf, Tiger's the GOAT. I mean, yeah, he ain't won as many majors as Jack. but Jack? Jack Nicholas. But that's the thing. Jack Nicholson? Nicholson, Nicholas, whatever. It's all the same shit. But he's, in country he's an actor and a golfer, but still. <laughs> Jack wasn't facing the same competition that Tiger was. Like, so that's the thing. Tiger's what? In his 40s right now. Yeah. Tiger hit the scene at 17 years old, beating the fuck out of these grown-ass men at golf. And so. No doubt about it. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But not only that, but the younger generation, the Ricky Fowlers, the Jordan Speeths, the Jason Days, the all of them, they they watch Tiger dominate these fuckers. Like, I'm talking about lap the field in, in fucking tournaments. Like, motherfuckers were shooting 12 under, and Tiger just won this bitch by 22 under. I can't speak to any of this, dude. I mean, hey, let me, let me put the Masters on so I can catch the best nap I ever had, right? Don't get me wrong. Golf is nice for sleeping, bro. That grass, <laughs> the calm voices. It makes me want to go to sleep. At it's least the first nine anyway. But once they hit like the back nine and the 17th of the final stretch, I'm yo, tuned in. Yo, Robert. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm tuned in 100%. But, uh, He's going to want that one back. Hell yeah. But clearly, y'all can tell we're getting faded. We're, we're uh, celebrating. My boy Jake got a deer down. Uh, we're going to have some meat in the freezer, but... That's it, man. That that's uh the Deer Camp Chronicles for Frank Mott's weekly thoughts. On that, Madonna, I'm coming for you. Yeah, Jake's gonna slay it, Madonna. Get ready, <laughs> like a virgin. <laughs> but uh, that's it, Frank Mott's weekly thoughts. This is my best, fr- one of my best friends in the world, Jake Walter. I love you, brother. Love you too.
That's it. You guys tune in. Subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast. You know, holler at your boy. This is your boy, F. Mott. You already know. Frank Mott's Weekly Thoughts. Check us out. Y'all have a good one. Stay safe. Corona-free. COVID-free. Herpes-free. We all Gucci. Y'all have a good night. Mm -hmm.